Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. escapes the pocket, tucks the run. Across the 25, has the first down. Stays in bounds and takes it all the way into the end zone. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Going to the air again. That pass is high. Oh, what a one-handed grab by Pearsall. And then he took a pop at the 30-yard line. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Here's Beck. He's got Bowers. Bowers. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Jordan Travis throwing it a single coverage, and the catch made. They keep firing those jump balls, and that time Keon Coleman brought it down for the touchdown, 24 yards, and Florida State leads for the first time today. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Give it to him. Trainer up the middle. He's in. Touchdown, Ohio State. They walk it off at Notre Dame Stadium. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. From the 19-yard line, right hash going left to right. Man in motion on the edge. Here's a pass, and it's intercepted. That's Karani Reed, and he takes it to the house on the first play of the game. 21 yards, a pick six for Karani Reed in Utah. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Well, good afternoon on this Wednesday afternoon. As we are rolling through the end of September, October 1st is on Sunday. Yet another full weekend of college football with a lot to get to and also news and notes today in college football. Our guests include Brett McMurphy, Ricky Thompson, former Baylor linebacker Taylor Young, Sam Kahn from The Athletic, and of course, Paul's top five to close out the show later today, much later today. Thank you for those in the chat room. The text line is 254-339-1122. There is a piece today in the athletic.com. It's written by Max Olson. He will join us tomorrow 
about the behind the scenes of Brett Yormark's year-long push to get the Big 12 to 16. The part that I love about it is the inside, of course, in so many different stories. But the part that I love about it is I was reading that, and I don't know if Craig and Paul, if you had time to read it, it's very lengthy. Oh, yeah. But everything reported in this article, there were some new nuggets, but it was almost to a T exactly what we had been reporting for the last 16 to 18 to 24 months. Exactly the way meetings with people from the big or Pac-12 in Chicago or elsewhere, not to validate what we did, but it makes you feel good. You know you're right, and then you see this article, and you're like, man, this is like a trip down memory lane. Well, I, I just liked getting the details of the stuff that we knew was going on because it was it's all very cloak and dagger until it actually you know comes to, to life right until until everything you know has passed and there's there's no more secrets to keep you can you can say everything i um and i just kept looking at this going like if you're george klyovkov there's no way you don't know that your teams have met with brett yormark right there's no way that you don't know that it be, could be potentially especially given the fact that they'd exchanged messages about that like the text it's nothing personal it's just business of all that and then you still just did not believe that it was ever going to happen. Well, Bowlesby didn't know about Oklahoma and Texas. No, but, like, he didn't know. But, like, George, how did George Klyovkov in this instance not know? Mm. That was the thing. It's like, Bowlesby didn't know. But since that, that moment of Oklahoma and Texas, nobody should assume that everything's okay anywhere they, they would go, right? So you have, to, you have to always be operating of things could fall apart and things could fall apart. But the thought that they just wouldn't and not having a contingency plan was really the most startling thing to me. You know, when you really like, look, you know people are or they're, they're trying to have a backup plan, even if the backup plan was the Big 12 and not the Pac-12, you need to make sure that they just eliminate that backup plan. And that's never what the Pac-12 did. Yeah, I haven't been able to read. It's a long article, so I haven't yeah, been able to read every part of it just yet. But I've read a good chunk of it, and... You know, I think the end result speaks for itself. Uh, the fact that there are four schools moving to the Big 12. But, man, there's a whole lot in this article that says that there was actually a lot going on for a lot of people that said there was absolutely nothing to anything. Mm-hmm. So, man, there's a whole lot, of, whole lot of stuff that was going on that apparently wasn't going on, according to, like, two people out there in this world. But that's okay. Uh, like I said, the end result spoke for itself. It's good to have the details. And, uh, yeah, it lines up with a lot of stuff that we heard and talked about throughout the last year. Um, you know, that wasn't – I think we've proven, like, since then, we haven't tried to go to the realignment well, like, every day since that's happened. You know, right. like, we've kind of moved on from it. And, like, if there's something to talk about, then we'll talk about it. We've obviously spoken about Oregon State and Washington State, uh, you know, in their situation. We talked about the ACC situation when that was ongoing as well. Um, but I think it's been pretty clear, and we've had people be like, hey, the first time like, we, we stumbled onto you guys because of realignment, and like maybe the smart thing to do would be to like just throw stuff out there, but that's not what we do, and that's not what we've ever done, and so that's why it's been pretty quiet on that front since everything moved on, but that's why it was so loud when all of this stuff was going on, and look at this article. like Look at what was happening mm-hmm. that entire time. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a great piece uh, from what I've been able to read so far. A lot of like really detailed you know exchanges that are documented in here and just uh yeah a much more uh you know in-depth dive into uh just all of what was going on and it's it's been fascinating to read through it so far and just kind of get some of like the little minor to the sides you know whether it was uh Brett Yormark, you know, and Linda Livingstone commenting on him, or is Kirby Hocutt and him talking about it, or is Colorado and Rick George and mm-hmm. how that situation came to be, which, you know, looking back on it, that was the one that was 
you know, Colorado said it was a legacy move that they, you know, it wasn't one of those where they were like, well, we're with these academic schools. We don't want to ruin that. They're like, no, going to the Big 12 is the legacy move. It's not staying in the Pac-12 and doing all that. And to, you know, to see that just kind of reaffirms that uh, for me, I didn't give Colorado enough credit for, for coming back to the Big 12. I, I uh, fell too much into the, well, yeah, they're in a good spot. Why would they go? And, and you look at it and like they were the ones that were like banging down the door in, yeah. in some way. And, so, and a deadline that they were given also yeah. made a difference. What your mark yes. said, he did not want to beg anybody. He wanted everyone that was going to join to want to join, not as an option or alternative. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot more I need to read through on this. But what I've read so far has uh, been fascinating and just kind of cool to revisit it because I feel like once football season started, we did just sort of like, all right, zero to 100 or 100 to 50 and back to 100 or however you want to you know define it. But, um, you know, that was a, a wild year. Mm. Uh, there's still the tentacles of it ongoing because there's still onboarding that will take place, you know, over this next year. There's still, you know, things that haven't been wrapped up just yet, like Oregon State and Washington State, um, what's going on there. But, um, yeah, just it's just amazing that that actually all happened, quite frankly, yeah. looking it, back it, on it. It was, it was kind of a trip down memory lane. Now, a couple of college football notes. One, A&M finally looks like they have a pretty good young quarterback, and they've been through a lot of issues at quarterback. And Connor Wigman, uh, who uh, had a nice start for them, he is, apparently they thought out for a few weeks, and now the update, and I saw this from Brett Zerneman, he's out for the rest of the year. That's the update, uh, A&M sophomore quarterback Connor Wigman, lower leg injury, more expensive, uh, more expensive, more extensive than previously thought. Max Johnson will remain their starting quarterback, and uh, again, that is a huge blow to Texas A&M. Johnson can play, he can handle it. But you have this young, talented guy that's kind of a sl- kind of a semi dual threat, and now he's gone. Yeah, that's um, that's a real big bummer for for A and M. Although Max Johnson came in and played well, he has a ton of ex- starting experience, so you could be in a lot worse spots having Max Johnson in. Can Max Johnson be the guy who can keep them in this race, though? Uh, Long term in the SEC West, which is as open as it's been right now, because there's not a team that is head and shoulders above everybody else right now. Everybody is, has shown that they have have weaknesses uh, that you can can kind of exploit. So can A&M, who has Arkansas this week, and those games are always ridiculous, yep. and then they have Alabama at home next week, mm-hmm. can they keep it rolling with Max Johnson over these couple of weeks and build some momentum so that they can stay in the race? Or do they fall behind? Now, that gives Jimbo Fisher a little bit of an excuse, but – you know, look. No, they, it doesn't. But uh, yeah, maybe no, not. No, I mean, it does. It, it doesn't to yeah. me at all. I mean, he's he's supposed to be the quarterback yeah. whisperer, right? So yeah, I mean, I think you lose your starting quarterback. There's at least a pause, and you go like, how does this affect the overall theme? But yeah, I think at this point, I don't know that A and M fans. It's kind of like with Dave Aranda. It's like if they continue to struggle, it's like, oh well, Blake Shapin got hurt. But how many times are you going to say, oh well, there was an injury, so we can't count that, right? At, at some point, you just got to say like, it, it is what it is, quarterback injury or not. So. I don't know where most A&M fans side on that. I can see both sides of it, though, of like, hey, it's it's not what it was supposed to be because this guy got hurt, so we shouldn't treat it as though they played with Max Johnson the entire time. And I also see fans saying, he's the quarterback whisperer. It shouldn't matter who the quarterback is. They should still be able to win games. I think it all just to come down to how many games do they win? Do they win six or seven, and that's clearly not good enough, or do they win still eight or nine games with Max Johnson, you're like, okay, they're clearly still on the right track here. I think that's all going to depend on how they win, you know, and, and how many they win. 
Well, and, and, and the other thing is, look, if you're Jimbo Fisher and you've had to already bring in Bobby Petrino, which admits that you can't call the offense the way that everybody wants you to before, and then you step into the season of the SEC West, and it's actually as clear a path as you could think because Alabama's struggling for you to win the SEC West and get in the title game, like, You've got to you've got to take advantage of this if you can. Yeah, I mean that window's going to close pretty quick. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to have quarterback issues at Alabama next year, for example. Yeah. You know, uh, Auburn's going to have more under their feet. Um, LSU will be better. You know, so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you wish that you could strike while the iron's hot here, and they still have the opportunity to do so. But obviously, losing uh, Wigman is uh, is a blow. I mean, good young player for sure, and a guy that I know there's a lot of uh, promise in, and so. I guess what happened was they initially thought it was, or I guess Jimbo originally said it was like a week-to-week type of thing or day-to-day type of thing, and then I guess they did extra, I thought it was Billy Lucci that was explaining, they did like extra imaging, had another appointment and saw a little fracture and then looked into that and found out like, uh-oh, this is actually the worst-case scenario. He's going to have to miss the rest of the year. So that's, uh, yeah, that just sucks. Uh, you hate to see anybody getting season-ending injuries and especially your starting quarterback. So in a wild year for the SEC, just when you think that you're A&M and you have maybe a leg up in some way, uh, you get this news today. And, um, yeah, that's just uh, just uh, something that will have to overcome in this wild AC, or, uh, SEC West race. All right, there's a lot more to get to, including a couple of notes from Mike Oresco on the college football playoff after, after a couple of more days of meetings. Uh, here's one. This is from Larry Williams. He covers Clemson for Tigers Illustrated. And this was a tweet from him. Subscribers to Tigers Illustrated – Dot com know that since mid-August, we have written that the attempted secession from the ACC union is likely to commence during the season. And three days ago, we wrote that it's likely to happen in October. Paul, you're the ACC guy. Is this now starting to percolate again? Yeah, there seems to be some push around, especially the Clemson community, that Clemson might have been the one that's figured out the granite rights or figured out what they're at least going to do to get out of it. But uh, they've been very quiet about it publicly. Uh, they let Florida State go and make all the noise, but everyone knew that everybody was going to go together. When it came to that point, you know, this was Clemson's not leaving on their own. Um, and if Clemson figures out a way out, then there's going to be at least one school and probably another that goes with them. At least that's why the ACC has reacted the way it has, adding schools from across the country to join their league so they can keep their status the same way. Uh, I would not be surprised if, if you know, if you start putting clues together, like, okay, why would you come out and have all this bravado if there were still months or years of work to be done on this? Unless you you maybe kind of knew that you were a couple months away from figuring it out. That, to me, would make the most sense because the one thing I thought about Florida State all summer long was if you're saying this now and, like, trying to hit the fast-forward button now but still have three years of legal wrangling to do, why would you not wait until closer to the end of the legal wrangling? Right. Like that that never made sense to me. Like bark and make as much noise as you want and and maybe people will follow. I, I just don't I didn't think that was a really solid strategy, but if you knew where things were going and were confident with that, then maybe that's why you decided to like turn the volume up on your on your plants. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about uh, Larry Williams to know his routine as far as throwing teasers out there, but uh you know, this seems to based on the reaction be you know, something that's uh, obviously getting some play and, and there's some smoke around it. There's 
been this situation bubbling up under the surface or above the surface now for about a year at this point, right? Florida State's barked a couple times. Uh, you know, we certainly discussed the possibilities when the ACC was going through their Pac-12 editions. You know, this was talked about widely as far as how the vote went and what that would mean for the future of the conference. So, you know, things settled as you knew that they were going to when the season started, but now we're starting to reach the halfway point, and I guess people are already starting to see the offseason on the other side of that. And, um, you know, I I guess uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't have any insight here other than it appears that the end game for Clemson and for Florida State and for perhaps others is to eventually leave the ACC. We know they've been rattling the cage. We know they've been, at least in Tallahassee, pouring through the you know, grant of rights and all the various documents that they need to figure out to be able to get out uh, potentially with this you know, least resistance as possible or least damage as possible. You know, where's the invite coming from would be one thing. Who are you yep. going to? I think there's only two candidates, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think this is something that we knew was going to circle back around at some point. I don't know if, like, this is, hey, back in the spotlight for the next few weeks kind of a story or if this is just one of those that pops up and then we don't hear about something else for another couple months or not. But uh, that is a fascinating element of realignment. Um, just kind of funny how that all comes back today, but uh, that is a, a, a loose end, if you will. Uh, the ACC tied up one loose end with the addition of SMU and Cal and Stanford, but that Florida State, Clemson, and whoever piece was just kind of it's like pulling out. It's, it's just a scratch. It's like it's like poison it was, ivy. Yeah, you put it back in a knot, but the knot's not you know gonna hold forever, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's how it felt at the time, and you knew that there could be more to this, or there would be more to this. So. You know, October's just days away. Uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. All right. Uh, Mike Oresco, after the college football playoff, and again, he's a guy fighting for the group of five, including his conference, the American Conference, had mentioned something about a desire. He had mentioned a desire for five plus seven. What he meant by that, the five conference, five highest-ranked conference champions and then seven at large for 2026, not when they expand initially. Oresco telling... Ross Dellinger, among other national columnists, that he's going to fight for the 6-6 six and six playoff expansion at least for the next couple of years, clarifying what he said yesterday. We'd like to keep 6-plus-6 six six for two years. Why wouldn't we? We'd have two automatics for our group. Of course, he's talking about the possibility of the group of five. So that's in a couple of years, 24-25, and then 26, it might drop to 5-7. and seven. There's Mike Oresco on that, which yeah, is, I, it's again, that also may depend right. on what happens in the next couple of it's years. It's not weird to you that Mike Oresco spent all these years trying to be included, and then when he gets the chance to be the one who's definitely included, he's like, let's not open the door forever. Like, five and seven sounds good to me with him thinking that, you know, the AAC would probably be the fifth most years right now, although that league has changed drastically enough to where, I don't know, if you have a Mountain West that has Oregon State, Washington State, Boise State in it, those are three teams that are pretty, you know, committed to their football program. I wouldn't say they wouldn't be the fifth, you know, highest ranked conference champion uh, in, in certain years. So I I do think it's probably going to go five and seven because five plus seven, because that's the other leagues, you know, being able to get there at large. But I still think there's merit to keeping it six and six if you were going to do that anyway. Well, let's see what happens with anything ACC or possibility of what both uh, Oregon State and Washington State accomplish. A couple of notes on them, and speaking of Washington State, their offensive coordinator, Ben Arbuckle, look at this, he's 27. 
The Cougars have gone from number 94 in offense to number 6 from 79th in the country in points per game to 5. We have discussed he won the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award and other awards this week. Cameron Ward, Cam Ward, the quarterback to transfer from Incarnate Word, has been spectacular. 13 touchdown passes, no interceptions. So one of the up-and-coming hot assistant coaches and coordinators is Washington State's Ben Arbuckle. 13 nothing in a ratio touchdowns to interceptions and completing 75% of his passes. Oh, yeah. He's, he's going to be a hot name, Ben Arbuckle. And I don't know if you uh, somebody will be bold enough to hire a guy at 28 to be a head coach for the first time, but maybe. Uh, he is Wazoo is going to have to fight people off for him. That's for sure. Whether it's as an OC or potentially as a head coach, depending on where he wants to be in his career, because what he's done with with – Cam Ward in just this one year has been been really really impressive. Yeah, I mean uh, they've been on fire offensively, and Cam Ward is a uh, you know as you said a great player, um, Texas guy, and so definitely have eyes on him and uh, what he's going to accomplish the rest of the way. But what he's done so far, he's right there in that mix of quarterbacks out in the Pac-12, but probably is one of the last guys named, quite frankly, behind Caleb Williams and you know DJU and all these other guys, uh, Bo Nix. Um, that's a star-studded lineup, but he's got to be mentioned uh, somewhere in there because he's right there with a lot of those guys. Maybe not as good of a player as Bonex whatever, but he's you know he's a, a super talent, and that offense is scary good, especially when he's doing his thing. So um, yeah, I mean, there's the people behind the scenes that deserve credit for that as well. And and Ben Arbuckle seems to be a name that college football fans need to get to know, um, and they'll get to know him uh, whether by prodding or not, because if Washington State keeps it up, they're going to be playing a bunch of big games the rest of the way we're going to hear a lot more about cam ward and ben arbuckle in that offense and you know it's great for wazoo um and it's great for the pac-12 and it's uh, just great for college football fans they're such an interesting league in that regard uh playing this year born in wichita falls texas he's very young as we mentioned he was hired as a quality control coach at houston baptist eventually hooked up with kitley was at western kentucky when they had bailey zappi who had that great run won the tyler rose award in fact uh, his senior year and now he's giving Washington State a little oomph to a quarterback that was already pretty good. Now, one of the note involving the Pac-12 or whatever is left of it, but they are for right now the Pac-12, Oregon State's president put out a letter saying that they expect, this was a letter to the alums, the donors, and others from the pre- President Murphy, that they are expecting a 44% decline in revenue and that they, of course, are reaching out to try to find a way to get money to help pay for the athletic scholarships, not for NIL, but for just to keep the athletic scholarships going, a 44% revenue decline. And, of course, uh, that because the fact they're going to be left alone or isolated or whatever they get joining with the Mountain West or what they do by adding to the Mountain West, but compared to what they were going to get among the Pac-12. 44%. She said something about $6 million is what they need just to offset the cost of what are the normal scholarships overall in athletics. Well, I mean, yeah, that's to be expected. They don't have a TV deal. They don't have a conference that to play in right now. I mean, uh, I mean, they're playing in one right now. But beyond that, we don't know what that's going to look like. So, you know, I don't know how 
you could put all those – I don't know what the tools are to put all those projections together when there's so much uncertainty there. But, yeah, you knew that not being in a power conference is going to be a, a drop down for you. And um, that's scary uh, financially to see, you know, that much of a percentage drop. We knew that Washington State was already kind of in a bit of a pickle, uh, it seemed like, to begin with. That was always part of the, the story was, you know, their finances in general. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's scary. That's not – fun to look at if you're a Washington State or an Oregon State fan and you hope that that changes somehow Uh, I don't know how it does Uh, I don't see you know like some life raft heading their way outside of just these merger talks and these relegation talks and I I saw another relegation article today I gotta say I hate it I hate the idea of it I don't think it makes that much sense I don't know who's signing up to volunteer for hey every two years you can get dropped down a level or, or raised up a level and I just I don't see how that jives with uh, with the, the sport that we cover, but you know, crazier things have happened. Nobody's predicting Cal and Stanford to be in the ACC, or you know, any other number of moves that have happened. Some have made sense, Oklahoma and Texas, the SEC, but a lot of things that just sound like they'd be pure imagination have happened over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, we'll see in the long run. But yeah, that's that's uh, that's something to monitor. I don't know how you sustain that over the long haul, and I don't know what that looks like after a couple years of everybody making so much more money than you do, not just talking SEC like we typically would or Big Ten, but like the Big 12's making that much more money than you are. The ACC's make, so you're you're dropping down yeah, way The down. difference between the Big 12 and what they might get is going to be the difference between what the SEC and the Big Ten right. might get compared to the ones below. So them. you're like in a third tier at that point. Yeah. That's not even counting. Where yeah. are your games? Yeah. Where are we watching your games now? Yeah. At this? So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the bad part of that whole story. As fun as it was to talk about, there was always – you know, those who get, get left out in the cold, and right now it appears like it's probably going to be the, the Cougars and the Beavers, and, um, you know, we'll see what that looks like. But, uh, yeah, not surprised that projections don't uh, really, you know, have a lot of sunshines and rainbows attached to them. Hey, by the way, we'll have more from that and, and discuss a little bit more with that Brett McMurphy at the top of the hour. Speaking of uh, coaching, Mel Tucker, it's official, done. At Michigan State, they have a specifically and officially fired him terminated his contract for his admitted and undisputed behaviors, which have brought public disrespect, contempt, and ridicule upon the university and constitute a material breach of his agreement and moral turpitude. Um, this is from the same school. I wonder how many people in administration lost their jobs for all the things that went, happen, uh, went on with Nasser. But he's gone. We knew it. Now it's official. So speaking of that, what is your top five today? Uh, it is. I, oh, have not done No, yet. no, 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 because I'm, <laughs> I'm getting ready to ruin it. It's not – we've already done Michigan State. Okay, well, you've already done – I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Here is the potential candidates in the hit list. And, Paul, tell me how many of these you had from Brandon Marcello, who has joined us, of course, quite a bit. Mike Elko, Duke. Yes. Lance Leipold, Kansas. I did not. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State. Yep. Dave Clawson, Wake Forest. No. Jason Candle. Yes. I believe you brought him up. Mm-hmm. P.J. Fleck. Minnesota. No, but uh, he was on, like, he would have, if I'd been this many, he would have been on it. Pat Narduzzi, Pitt. Uh, no, uh, I didn't bring up Charles Huff either. But Sean Lewis, who's the offensive yep. coordinator with Dion at Colorado, and Matt Campbell, head coach uh, at actually, Iowa I think, State. I think he's got my top five in there. Okay, there yeah, you go. It was because it was Elko, Jonathan Smith, Sean Lewis, uh, Jason Candle, and Matt Campbell. Yeah. Okay, there we are. Those are at least potential candidates. For, uh, for Michigan State, I, I think all of them have g- good with them. I, some of them are uh, even more f- on fire than others. Some are just kind of solid. 
I would hate to see Leipold leave Kansas. I, I love what he's done uh, with KU, and of course they have the huge game coming up at Austin on Saturday against Texas. That was an all-timer of a fall from grace for Mel Tucker. I mean, my gosh, you talk about just setting your own house on fire for no reason whatsoever. What a moronic set of decision-making um, by Mel Tucker. I mean, to have what he had at his disposal, the contract that he had, all that. Um, you know, I know there's he said, she said, and there's more, you know, details that'll come out, I'm sure, in the arguing over his contract and what he's still owed or, you know, what Michigan State will say, nothing. Um, we owe you nothing. There will be fights over that. Uh, but just what an all-time blunder of a move. I don't know, you know, what's next for him. But, yeah, Michigan State, I mean, I still wonder how much of this was them going, man, we really shouldn't have offered him that contract a couple of years ago. And, oh, is there a way we can get out of this? Like, I still feel like there's definitely an element to that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that'll be a fascinating coaching search. That's a, you know, a big-time school and in the Big Ten. And uh, we know how all the forces are shaping up moving forward. So I'm, I'd imagine there's going to be a lot of interest there. Now, they've, I'd have some questions about their administration at this point of oh. just, like, all that's going on these last few years. I think that'd make me just a little bit hesitant and have to learn a bit more. But I'm sure they'll attract some quality candidates and, you know, again, being in the Big Ten and, and having shown some success, uh, you know, that will, you know, be uh, appetizing, I think, to somebody. But they got to clean up their house a little bit uh, to make it as appealing as it can be. And, and this Mel Tucker thing's not – I feel like we're probably going to start hearing the end of him, really. But I know that that fight is probably going to drag out a bit longer. I don't know how much attention well, he'll get. his problem is that he admitted to it. Yeah, like yeah. He, like in, in all this, when the university started investigating, he's like, yeah. And then he said it was consensual, which at any – like – it could have been. The problem is, is that if something is 99.9999999% consensual, the minute that it becomes not, the very minute it becomes not, then it's not anymore. It, it doesn't matter what happened before because once someone decides that it's not anymore, then it's not. And whether, like, there could be things that lead you to believe that it was along the way. And I, there's a lot of information that's going to be missing from all this, but... The thing about it is, is that when it comes down to it, the minute that someone feels that it's not consensual anymore, then it's not. So that's where Mel Tucker's going to hit a wall every single time when he tries to come up with that argument and admitting to it because he said, yes, I did these things. Yes, I did it, but I thought it was consensual. Well, it could have been, if it was consensual on Monday, but then on Tuesday she decided it wasn't, then guess what? Tuesday's the thing that wins. All right, uh, we will break here. We, we don't have a guest until Brett McMurphy at 4. We, this is from his McMurphy's Law. It's a great piece. It's a weekly piece on college football. And part of what he has in there today is how many coaches are angry? How many coaches were like, um, for example, Oregon, Dan Lanning, all right? Or who was the coach that called uh, Ryan Day calling out 88-year-old Lou Holtz and then others <laughs> Um, he brought up a Gary Patterson story from five or six years ago. Uh, and so he that's one Ryan, of the things we'll discuss with Ryan him. Ryan Day and Lou Holtz is one of the silliest things. Like, yes, Lou Holtz is at Notre Dame. They're honoring Lou Holtz that weekend. Game day's there. Lou Holtz said what he said. Ryan Day dunking on an old man, yeah. like, to me. And, like, he hasn't really let it go yet. And they were a half a yard and one other player away from not being able to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like he walked up to the nursing home. It's like, yeah. Screw your soup, old dude. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. like, okay. Knocked it out of his hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, social media is, you know, wasn't really around. I feel like I was about 10 years ahead of the Lou Holtz impression game, though, because now, like, there's yeah. a bunch of people that do it. I, I was doing that back in the, the mid-aughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but now there's 
there's a lot of them out there. And, yeah, it was funny to see Lou Holtz's uh, – reaction and see him punch back a little bit good for him the ryan day thing was bizarre calling out lou holtz it really was and i'll tell you you know don't pay as much uh, daily attention to ohio state as you know obviously hundreds of others or thousands of other people do uh, but you know saw the rumblings over the last couple of years about ryan day and just some of the frustrations and you're just like yeah whatever you guys are winning like 10 plus games a year you know uh you're spoiled a little bit right of uh, it's it's like the you know, Oklahoma, you know, you keep winning the Big 12 every year, but you're, you're not winning the Natty. You know, like it's just one of those situations where um, you're just you're just kind of spoiled uh, with, with the success. But then here lately, watching play calls and watching, you know, their offense and, and watching that, that reaction to Lou Holtz after the game, I'm like, you know what, I see it now. I totally see Ohio State fans and why they're like kind of over Ryan Day. I absolutely see it at this point. Um, so, yeah, that, I thought that was just a bizarre a uh, little beef that, that cropped up on Saturday. Uh, Ohio State, that was um, a very fortunate win for them that I don't know really how they got it ultimately, uh, but they did. And, you know, Notre Dame obviously not having enough men on the field for the yep. last couple plays helped that. But, uh, yeah, that offense, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, but I, I definitely see the Ryan Day detractors now more so than I have in a, in a really long time. And it's obviously something that goes beyond just winning and losing. They see it, hear him on a daily basis, but but I see it now as well. Um, Lou Holtz didn't deserve to be attacked randomly this weekend. Um, but, hey, he's still fighting back, so good for him. All right, we're going to come back with a stat that also Brett McMurphy has. And how many teams since 2014 – don't put it up, please, Garrett. We'll do it in the next segment. I'll tease this to the audience as well. How many teams since 2014 have an above 500 record against, against teams they've played that were ranked in the top 25? There are eight of them. Seven of them have something in common. Uh, one of them doesn't, and they're not off to a very good start this year, so it's probably not going to break the streak, but we'll have that give you an idea of who they are. You might be able to pick five or six of them, but who's the one that's above 500 against the top 25 since 2014 but has not yet made the college football playoff? That and more, this is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace. They have steaks on sale, brisket on sale, pork chops on sale, and then, of course, pork, poultry, and seafood in their butcher shop. A one-stop shop for what you need when it comes to a butcher shop. You can go by and pick things out from the counter that's right in front of you. You walk in the door off to the left, there's a lobster tank. And then you have the seafood. And, man, I'm telling you, they're, they're mahi-mahi or they're salmon. Uh, the, the Atlantic Ocean Sanic, Norwegian salmon is just fantastic. The fillets, they get the perfect color. And then you go into the, where's the pork with sausage and more. Then there is poultry with various like whole chickens or pieces of chicken. And then off to the right, there's a larger display with what they have when it comes to beef from hamburger uh, to bacon uh, to also steaks and more. And you have these tubs of these huge brisket if you want for tailgating. Baylor will be back home if you're from the Waco area. That's where Waco Custom Marketplace is against Texas Tech, a night game a week from Saturday. They have all the necessities of from canned goods to chips to sauces and seasonings and more. And then cold beer, cold wine. It is Waco Custom Marketplace, your hometown grocery store at 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Some say a dog is a man's best friend. But I tell you what, boys, you better think again. Cause there ain't nothing 
turkeys too. I love to cover them in sauce down at Rudy's Barbecue. Bring all your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue. Next in line. During Jeep Adventure Day, save big on 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee Limited with values up to $5,500 or 10% off MSRP on new Jeep Gladiators on all trim levels or 10% off MSRP on a new Jeep Compass at Allen Samuels in Waco. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, warm. Welcome home. is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. So there's a story, again, Brett McMurphy at 4. One of the stories in his McMurphy's Law. The best record against AP Top 25 teams since 2014 when the playoff began. At the top of the list, you have Alabama. That is not a surprise. Then you have the others you would expect. Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, TCU, and then Oklahoma State. Of all of those schools, the ones with a winning record 
against the top 25. There's one from the Big 12 that has been in the playoff last year, and then Oklahoma State, who has been close knocking on the door, but have not yet made it. Oklahoma State literally inches away yes, from probably being in the college football yes. playoff, if not for Jaron McVay, which is a name they never thought that they would need to know and never want to hear again, basically. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State's been remarkably consistent. That's why what's going on right now is so alarming. Of just like they're nowhere close to where they've been for such a long time. And I don't know if they're going backwards, but they're at least stuck in neutral right now. And, um, you know, that's been just a, a program that year in and year out, like they, it's like just, well, Oklahoma will be the last thing standing in their way or Texas or whatever, but like the number three team, like more often than not, it's them. And, you know, now it's TCU getting mentioned first, or it's even a Baylor getting mentioned first, or it's, you know, some new team getting mentioned first. And, I don't know. I just I just feel like Oklahoma State's losing some of its mojo, guys. Yeah, I, uh, when you see a, see a stat like this and you realize just how remarkably consistent they've been for a really long time. Absolutely. It is startling to me that Mike Gundy, of all the things that Mike Gundy has ever been able to do, he always has a quarterback that is at least capable, yep. if not pretty good as a college quarterback. And to have three guys on the roster and have none of those guys who can go out and, and be capable – is really, that might be the first time in his tenure that that's ever happened. And look, I know that some of the guys are not world beaters or anything like that, but he's put several guys in the NFL for for long periods of their career, and it's not his job for them to be good when they get there. But he has always had somebody, like for better or worse, that can go out and is... When you go, what's wrong with Oklahoma State? You're never really talking about the quarterback mm-hmm. because the quarterback's always something that they they kind of always had in the works. But he is, and it's it's a lot to do with the transfer portal. And he's not one of these guys that's against the transfer portal. He had a great quote to Max Olson. He's like, "Look, you can either you know say you don't like it and then get beat by all the people who are using it, or go out and get in it." I'm just surprised that he has not, especially if you're a quarterback. Wanting to go play in an offense for Mike Gundy is usually a pretty good thing. How he kind of got stuck here is really surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, the whole ending of the Spencer Sanders era was just weird. And, like, what's he doing now? Like, yeah. Spencer he, Sanders... He played one play last right, year. Right, so, like, he couldn't be leading Oklahoma State right now. Yeah. Like, what? I mean, seemed like it would solve both of their issues. But, obviously, that marriage, you know, dissolved there at the end for, you know, for, for various reasons. But, yeah, I mean, I think it just goes to show you uh, how... We got to remember how consi- uh, consistently, again, um, or how consistent Oklahoma State has been. But yeah, I mean, popping that back up, TCU obviously made the playoff last year, so they don't have that asterisk next to them. But had they not made it, then you'd be saying the same thing about them of just how remarkably consistent they've been for as long as they have been. Uh, they've been a, a tremendous program uh, that you know has made it through the the waters of various you know leagues, and then finally found their way to the Big Twelve and had a little bit of a you know hard start there, as most teams do, just adjusting. But I mean. Give them a few years, and they've, you know, got themselves right there to the, the top of playing in the national championship game. I mean, that program and their ascent just over time has been pretty incredible. I mean, just how consistent they've been, and all of the, the uh, you know, various uh, alleys they've they've ran through to find their spot ultimately in the Big Twelve. Um, there's so much more potential there for the Frogs, um, but the rest of that list, I mean, yeah, that's. Hey, name the the top programs in the country any given year, and yep. that's pretty much the list right there. You know, you might change around one or two but I don't know the last 20 years or so uh, or since 2014 especially yeah that's the list the only concerning part on there to me is Oklahoma's record or not concerning but 
as an looking at it from Oklahoma perspective, that's a lot of winning without any national titles. I mean, that's the thing that has continued to elude them since they won it with Bob Stoops in his second year, and they played for it a bunch of times, and they played for it a few times since 2014. But that's the one hump that they just cannot seem to get over. Is winning the game that national when they title. let Georgia back in it. Yeah, that, that was, was the killer. one time, and of course Georgia was explosive, but they seemed to have that kind of in play. But uh, yeah, there's there's always there's been a couple of uh, pooped on themselves in, in a couple of the national championship games. With all due respect to the teams like LSU, Florida, and of course USC, who beat them. So there's the list: best record, AP top twenty-five since two thousand fourteen when the college football playoff began. It is three forty-four. This is three sixty-five sports. Jacob Zeno, Kyron Drones, right? Gary Bohannon. These are former Baylor quarterbacks. Drones is having a pretty good run with Trent Dilfer at UAB. Zeno. I'm not Drones. Zeno's had a pretty good run uh, with, uh, with UAB. Kyron Drones looks like he's splitting time right now with Virginia Tech. And, of course, Gary Bohannon has not played uh, that I know of uh, for USF and last year had a chance and then was injured. Uh, would you take any of those three right now to be the quarterback who were on the roster, but then Bohannon won the job, then Shapin won the job, so Bohannon leaves, as you would expect, and Zeno had the one bright moment in the Big 12 championship game in 2019. Literally made a throw, and people thought, oh my God, he's the starting quarterback, and how dare you say otherwise. It's like, he made one throw. And they chanted his name <laughs> when Charlie's last year, which went to hell. Is there, is there an overlap from the people who seem to have these these arguments over and over again? Like, is it the, the, the fan crowd and the quarterback, the backups always? Do you think there's an overlap there of just Baylor never makes the right decision and I'm always the guy that has the, the better opinion on who should be the quarterback, I what think uniforms a lot of they should wear? I think one thing in 19, probably changed their mind in 21, and, and then wanted Shapin in 22, and then, man, I wish Gary was still here because of the kind of offense they run. Yeah, there's just a lot of, like, Zeno should be the guy and then it was very little evidence as to why the Bohannon argument you can make. I mean, at least last year, like they probably should have kept Gary Bohannon and he should have probably been the starter, quite frankly. They should have at least played that out. They should have played that out. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know where Zeno was going to fit in ultimately. I don't know where Drones was going to fit in. I mean, he just wasn't ready and he's not quite all the way ready at Virginia Tech either. Um, So to answer whatever, I mean, are you asking, would you take them over Blake Shapin? Is that what you're asking? No, I just just threw out names. They're all over the place, you know? I mean, a lot of quarterback rooms like Oklahoma State, you ask what Sanders is doing. And, and, And again, Alabama, all these, even the big boy schools are having players who leave. It is, you have to find a way to juggle your quarterback room, and it's so difficult because everybody wants a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to do. I'm just glad those guys had opportunities. Otherwise, they would have just played out their college careers, you know, on a bench or dropping down a significant level probably. Um, and instead, they're at USF, they're at UAB, they're at respectable schools, and they're getting playing time, and, you know, especially in Zeno's case, Virginia Tech for drones. Um, but, yeah, the only one that I go, oh, man, that one was probably a mistake is Gary Bohannon. Um, I think he should have closed out his career at Baylor. I think uh, he should have been the starter probably at the beginning of last year. And if not, he would at least have been a reliable guy to pitch to when things were going sideways. Um, but I don't I don't look at Zeno and go, man, what could have been there really? Um, and I don't look at drones that way either. That was just – those were the situations, like you said, that happen all over the country that something's got to give. Like only one guy can play at a time, and they weren't lined up to play, and they certainly weren't – um, you know, clearly better than the guy that was chosen over them. So they were going to have to wait, and that's not what you do as a quarterback these days. So I'm glad that they've got these rules that they can go and play somewhere else. Two Big 12 appearances, 19 and 21, created quarterback controversies. 
right? Because mm-hmm. Zeno made a throw or two, and then Charlie went out. And the next year, of course, they were not very good at all at 2-7. and seven, And then uh, Shapin and was brilliant. And they may not win that game if it wasn't for him in the first half. And then, of course, he had the shoulder injury, and they didn't do much in the second half, well, which led to the quarterback change in the spring. I, I would also say that in the Sugar Bowl, I thought Gary Bohannon had played himself either into the transfer portal oh, yeah, or yeah, yeah. to a different position. Oh, I mean, it's understandable was, how that happened. No, happens. you're right. Yeah. That's a he, great like, point. Get, like, in the Sugar Bowl, Gary Bohannon who was, I mean, like an unquestioned leader on the team and everybody was behind him, but he he played against one of the better teams they played all year, one of the worst games a quarterback can ever play, and if not for a defensive uh, near-perfect game that they had, um, you know, we're probably talking about that season a lot differently, but the defense, you know, outplayed every, you know, problem their quarterback had in that game, so... Um, you know, that that's not surprising. And look, um, you know, Jacob Zeno's playing at UAB. He's having a nice year, but he also wasn't ready. He's probably playing uh, in the conference that he needs to be playing in right now. Uh, and Kyron Jones hasn't broken through yet. Now, if two years from now he winds up, you know, leading Virginia Tech out of the darkness and looking really good, then they might regret that, give it a long-term thing. But right now, I mean, are they better than Blake Shapin is today? Probably not. I'll say this about Gary. I mean, that Sugar Bowl was ugly. It's just it was masked by, like you said, great defense and also Ole Miss's quarterback getting hurt. Um, But that was Baylor defense that forced that to happen. They knocked him out of the game. Uh, But let's also remember, Gary wasn't 100% healthy in that game either. They had no other choice. Blake Shapin had gotten hurt and was out, like out-out and could not play. Gary Bohannon had been hurt, had the hamstring. You remember that? Yeah. And so he had to come back, and I don't think he was 100% healthy. But, yeah, I mean, that was a game that really exposed the flaws that he had in the passing game. Like, if he had to just rely on being able to pass the football, it was not going to be the the prettiest offense in the world. And, you know, Ole Miss probably deserves some credit for that as well. But, yeah, that's one that you can point to. And that was one that, you know, only got brought up because they struggled. And so once they struggled, it's like, all right, who's to blame? Well, Bohannon should have been the quarterback. But, you know, again, he's gone off and – it's not like he set the world on fire, but I do think he should have closed his career at Baylor. That's that's something that I do wish would have changed. The other guys, I think it worked out, you know, the way that it was supposed to. Yeah, it, it it's interesting that they had those two games. It was great to be a part of those two games if you're a Baylor football player, coaching staff, the university fan base, and yet it, it kind of fueled a, a little bit of it. And, and absolutely during the 2020 disaster when you started hearing Zeno's name being called out when Brewer and the offense could do nothing. Uh, let's see, from UT Parking back on the Michigan State name, Sean Lewis is going to be in demand, but don't take the Michigan State job. They expect conference championships, yet that conference is suddenly loaded, not only with what you have with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, maybe Wisconsin kind of gets their act together with Fickle, and then you add into the mix Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA. Man, and Lewis should be wait and see what happens maybe at other places. In fact, even UT Parking mentioned Houston as an option. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State is such a bigger job than Houston, though. Uh, yeah. But I can see why the path is easier. But I don't know, like, what's the playoff structure? That's yeah. right. I mean, you know, is it going to be harder to win a Big Ten title? Maybe. But is it going to be the same as trying to get into the playoff? And that's really ultimately what your your big, big goal is? Then that might not be that much of a deterrent. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to win a Big Ten title uh, in comparison to the last, you know, several, several years because there's a few teams now that are that are going to be, you know, 
throwing their weight around as well. Um, and obviously USC looks really good right now, and UCLA's you know in good shape with Chip Kelly and so on. <laughs> Oregon and Washington are obviously very good. So yeah, that's that's going to be a much more crowded party than it was before. But that's a, that's a good job. Like they clearly have to clean up the behind the scenes a bit and fi- you know figure out if they've you know got all of the the demons out at this point uh, up there in East Lansing. But um, yeah, that's going to be a, a job that I think a lot of people are interested in. And Sean Lewis is certainly a name that is going to be brought up. Uh, I think with almost every job probably that pops open at this point I don't know haven't you know learned enough about the guy to know what his leanings are as far as like getting back into head coaching I mean he left head coaching to be the OC for Dion um you know is that really just entertaining enough and rewarded enough right now to to see this thing out for a couple more years I don't know where where his head's at um but you know yes certainly he's gonna be a hot name in this carousel no matter what the job is and that Michigan State job is a big job it is and uh that's that's one that's uh really you know now got the wheels in motion for this wacky carousel that we all love every season uh retired stockbroker looking back at what we discussed about Ryan Day I have no problem with Ryan Day taking up for his team Saban or Kirby Smart would have fried Lou Holtz yeah, I just I don't know. I just felt it was kind of random. I just felt like it was uh, it was random coming across to people that maybe weren't paying super close attention. I have no problem with the guy sticking up for his team. I just was caught off guard by just like, wait, Ryan Day's what and Lou Holtz and huh and where did that come from and why and why was that like one of the first things he thought of after a huge win like that? Like of all the things going through your head, it's like Lou Holtz. Yeah, I just I was just like, what. It was just weird, and so yeah, no problem with a guy standing up for his squad by any means. That's that's not what the uh, what the uh, reaction was was towards. I just I just think it's weird, like that people take these things out of context and like, what is Lou Holtz going to say in South Bend to like on the Pat McAfee show out in the like they're in the maw of Notre Dame fans and these students and I'm like, is Lou Holtz going to go there? Like, oh no, I think that Notre Dame's going to roll over. You know, no, he's all right. When was game day? Game day's at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, this was on Friday. Oh, okay. so this is on okay. Friday during McAfee's show. Okay. Yeah. So right. yeah, he's on Friday. They're out and hang out in campus. Everything's cool. And then it's just, you mean to tell me that, that that was a motivator for the team I'm at sure Ohio what? State yeah. University. Okay, yeah. are we are we do we cover the same sport? Yeah. What what, do you mean? Have you ever seen how low college football coaches no, will no, go I'm to find saying, motivation? Of I, course it was motivation. Yeah, I well, we've for, seen it with I other think schools. The weird thing is him like the coach like usually the coach using it motivation knows it's BS, right? Yeah. Dion knows most of the stuff he says is BS. Lou Holtz when he was doing this, a lot of the things he would do, it's BS. You know, you know the story I like to tell about Bill Self and getting Devontae Graham all fired up because Baylor didn't watch their, you know, basketball porno that they were throwing up there. About, Look how great Kansas is. Yeah. Like, he knew it was BS. What's surprising is that Ryan Day doesn't know that what he said to them is just drivel. It's just oh, whatever he probably does, but it's he, going to. Yeah. Like, Kirby, look. Kirby Smart was the best at it, convincing his team that nobody thought they could do it. Yeah. He knew, like, the whole time I'm sure he's saying that, I was like, this is, I'm sure you're thinking, like, nobody's going to believe me, right? And then they bought it, and he's like, all right, whatever nobody works. Nobody believed in us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's great that he standed up for, uh, stood up for his team. I just think a lot of people are left confused that aren't following this super clear. Like, what, where did Lou, what did Lou Holtz say? Like, when did he <laughs> say, like, I mean, if you're not, like, on the story, then you're just, you're seeing these little bits and pieces coming across, and you're just like, why? It just doesn't make any sense. 
But, yeah, I mean, if you look in, it makes sense, and he stood up for his team, and if you buy into that, that's great, and if not, that's great too. Like, if you're a Michigan fan, I'm, three, I'm sure you thought it was stupid. If you're an Ohio State fan, you thought it was great. And so long as the players in the locker room thought it was great and they felt like their coach was sticking up for them, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what we think about it. It doesn't matter at all what we think about it. Uh, if the Buckeye players and those involved in that team think that it was a motivator and it was him sticking up for them and now they're going to unleash holy hell on the rest of the college football world, then it got the job done, his and that's all that called, really matters. His team was called soft, yeah, and you can use that, and that was the deal. It wasn't that Lou Holtz picked Notre Dame. It's that he mentioned that they were soft. Yeah, it was what he said about yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. That, and, that's and, the whole point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, in the 4 o'clock hour around the corner, we have Brett McMurphy on many things college football Ricky Thompson at 4.30, Baylor sideline reporter, and then former Baylor linebacker Taylor Young on many things. He was a part of a team that was going south in a hurry and how they stuck together. Also uh, that, and we'll also hear from Sam Kahn on the A&M coaching story with Wigman out for the rest of the year. And this is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, and now in downtown Waco on Franklin Avenue. So two locations serve you. Still the same great customer service at both places. The same great variety, just maybe kind of a different focus. So downtown, they're about what's going on. What are the cool hip cocktails that you're seeing on social media? That's where they kind of focus on in the downtown location. At the OG, the original location with a fantastic drive through window, they focus on the local craft bourbons, the craft beers. And look, it is uh, autumn. October is coming around the corner. So that means your Oktoberfest beers and your autumn brews are there now. They're always turning the roster at Riverbend Liquor and Wine. Lakeshore Drive is on 19th Street and downtown Waco. Two locations to serve you with Riverbend Liquor and Wine. Right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro, Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Talwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. 
Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or wacocustommarketplace.com This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. We start this three, uh, 4 o'clock hour, excuse me, Brett McMurphy, Action Network HQ, College Football Insider, and someone who was... Uh, very much involved in a lot of what happened with the change in college football the last year or two with his reporting, including the addition to the Big 12. Brett, thanks for your time. I I absolutely love the McMurphy's Law. It's a great weekly piece. For those who don't know about it, they should. Uh, It's fantastic. And the one, the interesting one about with Oklahoma State and how consistent they've been, yet they're the ones that remain outside the box when it comes to winning records, top 25 college football playoff and it, it just goes to show you, man, you got to take advantage of opportunities when you have them. Yeah, you really do. I mean, obviously you can look back, um, you know, for Cowboy fans, they, Baylor probably kept them out of the playoff with that goal line stop. You know, there's still some debate whether Oklahoma State would have got in over Cincinnati. People that I talked to thought that Oklahoma State would because of their strength of schedule. But we'll never know because OSU couldn't score um, – you know, more than three points on, what was it, 75 plays inside the 20. Not that I'm bitter or anything. It's an Oklahoma State a lot. Um, and then, you, then you, had the, you had the missed field goal against Iowa State that went over the crossbar and maybe was good, maybe wasn't good. So, yeah, Oklahoma State got close. They've been consistent. Gundy's taken them to 17, 16 or 17 consecutive bowls, which is pretty amazing, um, you know, Young OSU fans don't realize how bad Oklahoma State was before Gundy got there. Obviously, Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas were a couple of the highlights, but not many highlights other than that. And then this year, I, dude, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I mean, I was at Big 12 Media Day. I, I don't know if you guys have had Robert Allen on the show before, mm-hmm. but he's the longtime color analyst at Oklahoma State. I was at, at Oklahoma State when he was there, so I talked to him often. 
he was talking to me about the outlook for the season. And I'm like, man, I go, I don't know what to think. I go, our, our action network projections has Oklahoma state at maybe four wins. He goes four. They're big. They're going to win eight. I go, dude, all I'm telling you is what the numbers say. They're going to be underdogs in eight games. And he's like, who? And I went through the list. He goes, ah, we'll, you know, we'll take care of that. I'm like, I hope you're right. Now, you know, impressive win against Arizona state. They look, god-awful against South Alabama. They made Iowa State's offense look like USC with Lincoln Riley. I mean, they could still go 7-5, and five, but you know what? They could go 2-10. and 10. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what in the world is going on. They, they're off this week. Uh, then, they, then they jump back into Big 12 play. But, um, yeah, I think the goal streak is going to be uh, seriously tested this year if the Pokes can get the six wins or not. Brett, some um, scuttlebutt coming out of Clemson, South Carolina about that maybe the Tigers have figured out a way out of the grant of rights or that a decision could be coming in October. Are you hearing any rumbling on the ACC right now? I mean, what what was reported, you know, it's it's basically they're saying specifically it's going to happen in October. I have not been told that. I've been told previously that, yes, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, those guys are going to going to attempt to get out of the ACC. They are going to notify that, that they are leaving the ACC. The only thing I've never had is a specific timetable. So if it is October, um, great scoop by um, I'm not, I think Post Post Courier newspaper reported that great scoop by them. I have not been able to confirm that. Um, bottom line is, in three years those schools are not going to be in the ACC. The question is, where are they going to be and how are they going to find a way out of the grant of rights and how much money is it going to cost them? I do know from talking to people at various schools around the league, they think there is a way out of the so-called ironclad grant of rights. I do know from talking to people within the ACC, they feel like the grant of rights is ironclad and nobody's going to get out. Ultimately, Everything gets settled. This is a little bit different, as you know, because of the grant of rights is still, you know, played out for uh, 12, 13 more years, where it's different for any other conference when a school left, where you have one, two, maybe three years tops. So this is a totally different animal. I don't think the ACC is simply going to say, okay, write us a check, you can go. But I do think they, I mean, look, it's no secret they know these guys are going to leave at some point. We'll see if it's October. And I do think that's why I was told this. That's why they added, um, as I like to call him, Calford. Calford and SMU, because they're filling up. Because if they go below um, 14 schools or 15 schools, including Notre Dame, then ESPN can renegotiate their TV deal. So do you want to add schools now when you actually have an opportunity to get some group five schools, even if they are on the left coast? Or do you wait until the last minute and then who knows who knows what's available, and you're basically, you know, picking some corpses from the American. Brett, as no you know, to the American. Oh, sorry, 
Brett, as you know, there's always flickers of, of realignment talking. Obviously, anything with the ACC to what you're suggesting would, would open up a whole new can of worms for everybody. Uh, but as you best understand it right now, we were talking about this this article that uh, Max Olson and, and the Athletic had about just deep diving into the Big 12 and how all that unfolded with picking up the pack schools. Um, you see from time to time, like, well, what about Oregon State and Washington State? And would they fit? And where, what is your understanding about where the Big 12 finds itself currently? And is there anything to wanting more of the uh, the West with, with either of those two schools? Where do you think their position is right now on, on further expansion? Uh, regarding Oregon State and Washington State, I can sum up the Big 12 interest in two words, no and no. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to do it. Um, they're, they're, fine at, they're fine at 16. Now, if some things happen with the ACC, that's a different matter. Um, we see where the, where the schools scatter to. Obviously, they're going to look to go to the Big Ten and the SEC. But after a lot of those schools move, I think, you know, again, this is, this is old school me thinking geography actually matters. <laughs> but I think a great fit geography-wise, if they could bring on Pitt and Louisville. I mean, if you make the backyard brawl a, a Big 12 game, I mean, that would be – that not would be, but is one of the best rivalries in, in college football. Louisville and Cincinnati located very close. That would be a, that would be a great rivalry too. So, if some teams start, you know, leaving from the ACC and then teams are looking for a way out, then I think the Big Twelve will look to go beyond sixteen. As far as Oregon State and Washington State, absolutely not. If if they wanted to do that, they would have already done it. They wouldn't have waited until now to do it. And also. You know, there is a narrative out there. Well, you you know, they need to help, not necessarily the Big 12, but anybody. They need to help these, these teams out. They shouldn't be left in the, you know, by themselves. Well, you know, look, you got to worry about yourself. And that's kind of one of the problems with college football is everybody's in their own silo. And they're doing what's best for your conference. The Big 12 is going to do what's best for the Big 12, the SEC, what's best for the SEC, et cetera. And so with that, when that happens, you see some crazy realignment. And now you've got... Oregon State and Washington State, who knows what's going to happen with them next year. Are they going to have a two-team conference with the winner getting a bid to the college football playoff? I know the commissioners met today. They kicked the can down the road a little bit more because they can't make a decision because they don't know what the league's going to look like. But um, from your initial question, uh, that you know, no, no uh, Cougars and no, uh, no Beavers for the Big 12. Brett, why are college coaches so angry today? I think they've all got rabbit ears, and I think they're they're very they're very sensitive to things, and everything now is so is out there on social media. And you know, before social media, if, if a fan base was upset, or you had people upset, or players were upset, um, you know, you maybe heard it from that player, or maybe you heard it when you ran into a specific fan or something if you ran into him in a grocery store or something now everybody's got a voice and so you know all these pe- coaches you know they, they're busting their ass they're working 25 hours a day and then all they're seeing is people are mad because they're not winning games by enough they're not impressive enough they're not covering the spread yada 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 and now they're now they're pushing back um i think a lot of that you know is is obviously the pressure of being paid that much money and you know it's it's not the old days where you'd have two or three years to work something out. A lot of these guys got one year to turn this thing around, especially now with the transfer portal. And so I think it's just everybody's, you know, a little bit more sensitive to everything. 
and these coaches are going to push back and fight back. And it's kind of what I wrote today about, you know, these coaches are going to, are going to use every bit of motivation they can, whether it's real, whether it's, you know, whether they grab it out of thin air, they're going to do whatever they can to get their team jacked up. Um, and, you know, they could care less if it's, if it's true or not. All they know is they can tell a football team A, B, and C, and hopefully that'll get the team to run through the, the uh, proverbial brick wall. Brett, are you surprised that Alabama has found itself in the in the pre- predicament and now, even though they, they had a nice little rally last week and appeared to have buoyed their season after the Ole Miss win, but still they haven't solved all their problems? Yeah, I mean – I mean, a lot of people questioned Alabama this year. And, you know, look, they, it's funny you ask me that question. They they have one loss. They're in the top 12 or 13. And we're like, what the hell is wrong with Alabama? Um, but that's what happens. I mean, and that's why Nick Saban, without question, is the greatest college coach of all time. And I'm not an Alabama homer or anything like that. But that's the reality. I don't even think people appreciate what a great job he's done. I think – Unfortunately, we're not going to realize it until his career is done. And then we look back and say, wait, he was ranked number one for 12 consecutive seasons. Wait, he never fell out of the top, you know, 15, except for 99% of the week that there were AP polls. Um, certainly you look at where they are with quarterbacks. They've won with, with subpar quarterbacks in the past, but that with a combination of a new offensive coordinator – and some key losses, you know, defensively also, and you lose Bryce Young, obviously Will Anderson on defense. Now Alabama seems more mortal-like maybe than they have in the past. But you know what? Guess what? They still control their, their destiny in the SEC. They, their loss is out of conference. You know, that's the good news. The bad news is they can't lose again because the four-team playoff is not going to invite a two-team, a two-loss team, even if it's Alabama. But, um, you know, don't uh, don't don't put uh, dirt on Bama's grave yet because you know they could they've done it before when people doubt him and uh, you know I, I would not bet against Saban but certainly they do look more gettable I agree with you than, than maybe in past years and I think part of it is the lack of star power on offense specifically quarterback and wide receiver. Part of me feels like Saban couldn't be happier that this is the situation that they have to work through some of these things. I think he probably enjoys yeah. that to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. He's always he's always he's always a heavy favorite. Now now every day in front, nobody's giving us a chance. Everybody's <laughs> doubting us. You know, he's he's banging that drum every day. So Brett, uh, how attractive do you think the Michigan State job will be for potential coaches out there? Uh, attractive in that you're in the Big Ten and you're going to be at a school that's going to be making close to $100 million in a few years with your, your meteorite deal, and you're going to be on NBC, CBS, and Fox and all those things. Um, you know, look, it's it obviously, you know, you're starting over from scratch, but with the transfer portal, you can come in and you can change things right away. The challenge for whoever takes over Michigan State is, you know, this is going to could be similar to how when when Dion came to Colorado, except Dion like kicked everybody out of Colorado he didn't want. I think if you're at Michigan State and you're going to be fleeing before you even know who the next coach is going to be, because to get any kind of coach that's that's a, a name and you guys have seen all the lists out there, you're not going to get any of those guys until 
early December, mid-December, depending on their status as far as the playoffs or New Year's Six games or whatever. Uh, and so how many of those Michigan State kids that are that can play are going to wait around from that? I mean, they're probably right now, you know, making their plans for the next stop. So, yeah, you can do a Dion and bring in a whole new roster to kind of build up your program. But I just I think it's going to be a tougher build for whoever comes in there. But look, it's a Big Ten job. They're going to get a ton of kind of folks because of what that job will pay and the resources you have in there. That's the good news. The bad news is you have more bodies to climb over. USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. So, you know, forget about, you know, competing with Michigan and Ohio State. Now you got potentially, you know, two to three more top, top 25, top 30 teams every year that you're going to be competing with. But ultimately, uh, surprise, surprise, like everything else related to college athletics, it'll depend on money, and Michigan State will have plenty of money to throw with the next guy. Let me ask you, I had to ask this, Brett. They had this college football playoff meeting, whatever, and they knew that the Pac-12 was unsure of what they were going to do with the Pac-2. Why didn't they just cancel the meeting? Was there really anything they expected to get done? Well, they, they also meet about other things, not specifically that. So okay. it's a, it's a, it's a regular scheduled meeting. So it's just, it's on the books that they're going to, you know, they meet periodically throughout the year. So, um, you know, they talk about other things. There's a, a million th- minutia things, you know, possibly, you know, future playoff sites, um, you know, bowl agreements as far as the New Year's Six, uh, TV, you know, TV rights going forward with the 12-team playoffs. So this wasn't simply a, hey, what are we going to do access-wise for the 12-team for the playoffs? There's a lot of other things going on. Brett, as always, thank you. Great stuff. Action Network HQ, uh, our, our go-to, one of the na- uh, national analysts who does an incredible job and with us whenever we can possibly get him. Thank you, Brett. Have a great week. Hey. Thank you, Brett McMurphy. Uh, on many things. So wait a minute, Craig. Did you ask him about the uh, – the possibility of the Pac-2 and the Big Ten, uh, Big 12 or 16 or whatever they're called. Yeah, I just, you know, you see little flickers of that pop up. And, you know, obviously we got a lot of uh, Beavers and Cougars fans and not wanting to pour, you know, water all over their fire. But let's, you know, definitely want to be truthful and realistic as possible about what's going on. And um, so, yeah, I just straight up asked him there if the Big 12 would have any interest. And um, he said as clear as day, no and no, um, no interest. And, and the big thing he, you know, we all can circle back to is why would you not have done it already? You went and grabbed four of their teams. Why would you not have done that at the same time? That's the part that never has made any sense. Oh no. Now we want it. No. And especially the ACC thing doesn't make it more likely. It makes it less likely because now if you're going to go add teams, you're looking at the, the Eastern coast, um, you know, and that will all be predicated upon whatever happens with Florida state and Clemson. Like that's, that's where all eyes should be on, you know, that part of the country. Uh, what do those ACC teams that could potentially get out, uh, do, when do they do it? How do they do it? What's the timeline of that? And then, you know, all hell breaks loose and then you can have everybody run in to pick up whatever the other pieces are. And I agree with him, like Louisville joining the big 12 should have happened about 20 years ago and, and could have, and things went differently. What? No, go ahead. Well, you're putting your no, hand up. I, I, because oh, I have a point okay. to make um, when you're done. Well, Louisville was, you know, 
a t- team that the Big 12 could have had a long time ago and didn't get that done and you know I think probably regretted that uh, as all these other things have happened over the course of, of the last couple of decades but yeah I mean the Oregon State Washington State I hate to be a party pooper but again want to be truthful and there's nothing to that uh, there's nothing whatsoever to that in the Big 12. When there was still uncertainty about the Big 12 adding anybody new from the Pac-12 I believe Colorado was already a done deal uh, and we were able to talk to a lot of different Big 12 ADs, even a couple of different presidents. And I remember a conversation that was off air one time with a Big 12 administrator that when they said, well, you just never know what might happen. We're monitoring the ACC because that might pop at some point. And the school that was mentioned immediately was Louisville because, I mean, it would make sense. They're a really good athletic department. That's a nice school. Obviously, the, the Pitt-West Virginia connection would be interesting, but Louisville was immediately mentioned, not as somebody on the radar, but somebody that quickly would be on the radar if that ever was to be available, yeah. if they were ever to be available. Yeah, and, you know, this is tenuous times for the ACC, and, um, you know, I, I know that with the Big Ten at 18, there seems to be this push for everybody to try to get to 18 next, but that's going to depend on you know, the media partners making all that work. Like right now they're making it work because they had contracts that, you know, said to, but you're probably going to see that next wave come a few years down the line, uh, except for what could happen with the ACC in the interim, because they still have a long contract and everything that's going on with Clemson and Florida state. So yeah, the Oregon state and Washington state thing is getting pushed around the internet right now and it's and and yes yeah, sergeant pickles they deserve better than the hand they oh, were dealt absolutely sure he said that 100 they deserve better but just the reality of the situation is is that the big 12 has not does not have interest in them because believe me they probably would have said yes before anybody else given right. the fact that they knew that they didn't have those other options which is why the two of them were fighting so hard to they're like, yes, Apple deal. Let's just do it. Go, go, go. Apple, Apple, Apple. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work. And, um, you know, they, they didn't. I, um, and speaking of the Apple deal, I, the one thing that just occurred to me that I wanted to mention earlier about that, that article was. The article the, in The Athletic the, the, the by, Max by Max Olson. Olson. The, when, uh, when Klyovkov was telling them that they could make, you know, $100 million a year or whatever it was, and he said, well, uh, Robert Robbins, the president at Arizona, is like, well, if we only have 1.8 million living alumni among the conference, how do we get all of them to do this so we get, you know, to pay $100 a year for this? Mm-hmm. Even at 100%, they would have still fallen short of their goals. Oh, yeah, that was the part that was like, that was a wish that, yeah. well, if everybody signs up, then that we're going to make $100 billion. And it was like, but especially when you're talking about a conference where, the participation rate is probably the lowest of any of the oh, conferences. Stanford is in that conference. Right, got, exactly. They so bring in international students from all over that are so like, don't even care about American sports. Talking about their alumni base, and it's like, their alumni base doesn't care. Like that's, <laughs> Yeah, that's great. They have a huge endowment. That doesn't mean that they're going to sign up for Apple TV. That part never made any sense of like, mm-hmm. well, there's a bunch of people, so they're like, let's just assume they'll all vote for it. And it's like, most of them don't even watch football at, at some of these institutions. So, yeah, that was more of just like trying to paint the rosiest picture possible and just hoping that that would be, you know, the outcome uh, that would occur and, and would be convincing enough to, you know, sway those schools to sign on up and be like, yeah, well, let's just ride on potential. But, you know, 
Others were smart enough to go like, well, no, we know we'll make this here, and we know who we'll be playing, and we know for a fact that this is what it is. This other stuff is all just wish casting, basically. And so, yeah, it uh, it turned into what it turned into, and I think that you know it it uh, it landed where it was supposed to, as far as you know, those schools didn't get locked into a really bad deal um, because that deal still doesn't look like it was all that great, and a lot of it was, yeah. Like, hey, if all of the Stanford folks who don't right now care about football suddenly do. And Cal and everywhere else, and they all decide we don't not just care about, or not only do we now care about football more than we ever have, we care about football so much we're going to go pay monthly services to watch all these games for this conference, then yeah, it could have worked out differently. But again, that just wasn't realistic, and, and that didn't make sense. Robert Robbins had the best analogy of the Apple deal. Was there some validity to it? Sure. But he compared it to like when I was a kid, Playing Pop Warner football, we would be given these boxes of chocolate bars, and we had to go sell a couple of boxes and then bring the money back that would help pay for whatever it was. That's what they would have to do. That's basically what they have to do. Go door to door, send out mass email, and hope that people are interested. It didn't work out. And if and it would have been the deal had it not been for Oregon and Washington at the last possible second doing what they did and saying and even calling Robbins and saying, hey, we are going to join the Big Ten. Yeah, and I, I would have th- thought that the, like, it's not surprising that those two were the first ones that were like, yeah, this isn't. You know, when you've got, especially when you're Washington, you think about not only do you have your alumni base, but you're in, you know, one of the bigger cities in Seattle there, and you've got to like, okay, well, if everybody who likes Washington and Seattle signs up, we'll make this much money. And okay, well, what about people who don't care and just want to watch a Washington game sometimes? Are they going to sign up for that, or is that just going to be a thing where – Oh, the Washington games on Apple TV this week. I guess I gotta, I guess I gotta go to a buddy's house. Like those know. are the things you don't like take into account. And you know, one point eight million living alumni, and to get to the levels, they would have had to sell, like basically those. They would have to like duplicate all those people a few times over. Camelo, could they have asked the networks if it was beneficial financially to add Oregon State, Washington State? If not. That may be why they didn't add them. No, that's exactly why. Yeah, they had a chance to go. They already went for the kill with the four schools, including Colorado first, and then the others. But had they had an opportunity, if that was legitimate, if the networks, ESPN, Fox, or whoever, uh, had said, "No, no, no, go ahead and add them too. We're going to take care of you," then there was a possibility. Yeah, if they if they had if they had interest, the TV networks, then those teams would be a part of the Big Twelve. You know, they would they would have worked something out. They would have, you know. We talked at length about the pro rata when all the teams were being added originally, you know, and how there was room for this amount of teams and what that meant for Fox, what that meant for ESPN. And we went through all of that stuff there over the last few months. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Carmelo, if, if they had, you know, ESPN or Fox said, you know what, we'll pony up for two more. We yep. want two more. We want two more out on the West Coast that will give us these late-night windows and all those different kinds of things. If they had ponied up and said, we want Washington State and Oregon State in the Big 12, they'd they be in the it. Big 12. But mm-hmm. they clearly were like, we're tapped out. We got what we wanted. We got those four corner schools, and the Big 12 got what they wanted, and that's the amount of money that we're going to pay, and that's all we're going to pay, and that's it, and, and that's why it's it. And that's, you know, that's, uh, yeah, what it boiled down to. But if the TV networks had ponied up, then sure, they'd be in there, but they're not going to do that, clearly. Immaculate in the chat room. It's a new situation now, David Smoke. We already know what was said in the past. I never thought Washington State, Oregon State had a chance in the Big 12 until they massively disrupted college football playoff business. It's it's a new situation because of why? Because they're winning. No, yeah. it's not. Look, 
Sadly, winning listen, has nothing I, to do I with this. I hate it for those two schools. No, look, but, w- winning has very little to do with any of this, uh, especially winning in a, a short time span of a, Boise State. a season. Yeah, like winning, like Boise State had a, you know, they're a little more up and down than they've been the last couple of years, but they had like a 15, 20-year run of constantly winning, and nobody said like, man, we got to get them in. Like no, we gotta win a rope, man. Too small, yeah, not enough so eyeballs or whatever. That, yeah, that's that's the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is not that Oregon State and Washington State are two damn good football teams, and they're programs that care. The reality of the situation is is that a hundred years ago, when the universities were built, they built them in Pullman, Washington, and Corvallis, Oregon, and those places did not grow to the same level that some of the other places did. That's the unfortunate truth of it, and it's not about winning. So. That stinks. St. Dominic's Rosary. I totally disagree. The Apple deal would have worked out in the long run because streaming is where everything is going. They don't have a long run. Now, this was immediate. This was, like, imminent. This was important, like, now. It would be like being trapped under something, and you're like, hey, we'll get you in two or three months, and there's no oxygen left. Well, and They didn't have a long run. Athletic departments make budgets multi-years out. So when you have a TV deal that guarantees you, say, $31.6 million a year like the Big 12 does, you can budget that out knowing that you're going to get that money. The problem with the Apple deal wasn't the um, – was that it wasn't going to be a good idea in the long run because Apple TV, actually, I think of all of them long-term, might have the best handle on it because they are Apple. But Yeah, um, I'd say right now for sure. Yeah. I don't know who else would even really the, be. Like HBO Max isn't yeah. ready to roll no. out. Netflix is nowhere near that. Yeah, it's like Apple ads, they have their own programming, but they're not... Um, like they're not, you know, making bargain bin movies like Netflix is, right? They're not doing the CVS movies that you would you would get, right? So there are so many different things in that, but they would not know. So they're going to get twenty three million, but they might get fifty. Well, you can't budget for that fifty. Then you you can't do that. You can't run the athletic department not knowing year to year that you're like you said, Smokey, that that Robert Robin said, selling candy bars. You just couldn't rely on it. It's a great deal for Apple, and it might be a great deal down the line, and we might see a ton of people do it down the line. But right now, network TV is where all the money is, and they weren't on network TV at all. Kim Coulter, dollar ninety nine super chat. Thank you, sir. McMurphy was excellent. Well done, fellas. Immaculate because they were winning. Speaking of Oregon State, Washington State, don't put words in my mouth. Then why? Why would there be interest? We've gone over this. We just, I think, explained it. And Immaculate, don't take it personal that we would, I hate it for those two schools. I really do. Um, yeah, we're not taking any joy in saying, like, I mean, Brett McMurphy said what he said, so those are, those are his words, but just passing along what he said, and it was very clear, does the Big 12 have any interest in Oregon State and Washington State? No and no. And he explained a little bit of why and also explained that if it were to have happened, it would have happened already. That's his thoughts. He's as dialed in as, as I think most anybody is at this point uh, with conference realignment, and that's all there is to it. We've made our position very clear. We'd love to see Oregon State and Washington State get an opportunity. We'd love to see them get an opportunity in the Big 12, but we're not going to just pretend like reality is not reality. Well, and, look, I understand. I, I got a message, too, about, you know, you have information that could maybe change. I mean, I, I'm really – I mean, that's great, but I'm just – you know, I don't know. I, I tend to think that – there's always a chance that something could happen, but this really feels like just really hanging on to a very minor thread and just hoping and hoping and hoping that it's going to 
you know, somehow work out. And I, I don't know. I'm just not a believer. I'm sorry. A direct question from St. Dominic's Rosary about what I said about where those school schools are located. So what's the difference between Washington State and Oregon State and Kansas, Iowa State, and BYU? Manhattan, Kansas, Ames, Iowa, not LA or New York last time I checked. The only difference is those teams already had a contract. It's like yeah. that's it. the difference when you could add in Vanderbilt. Uh, in in schools from the SEC, they're in. They were a part of it from the beginning, and it's uh, it's it's just something that it's it's unfortunate the timing. And if something pops for Oregon State and Washington State with another conference, with an addition of another conference, with a merging or whatever it is, or if the ACC falls apart and there's an opening there, maybe. But uh, I, again, they're both fun to watch, no question. Immaculate, I have a ton of respect for you guys. Best show and best guest. I just can't explain the situation here in 200 bits with delayed reactions between chat and you guys. Well, just tell us, why do you think things have changed for Oregon State and Washington State? And we will bring it up and read it. Thanks for your time. Coming up next, Ricky Thompson, former Baylor wide receiver, Baylor sideline reporter, and his thoughts after 1-3, and UCF on the road, and the rest of the Big 12. This is... 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Ted Teague, GM, and CEO of the location in Waco. And right now, the Jeep Adventure Days, 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $5,500 or how about 10% off MSRP on a 2023 Jeep Gladiator? All of the trim levels involved. Overland, Rubicon, Mojave. That's right. It's that good. Right now, the 2023 Jeep Compass, 10% off MSRP. The inventory is on the dealership grounds. Also, Ram Power Days going on right now. New 2023 1500 Lone Star 4x4 Crew Cab. Right now, $11,000 off MSRP or 2.9% financing for 72 months. The new 2023 1500 Laramie 4x4 Crew Cab, $12,500 off MSRP or 2.9% financing for 72 months. Jeep Adventure Days, Ram Power Days, the lot right there on Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared 
to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin. And you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire, and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Dan Engel with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This segment with former Baylor wide receiver and Baylor sideline analyst Ricky Thompson is sponsored by Alliance Bank Central Texas, where customers have confidence that their financial needs are in good hands with two locations in Waco, on Bosque Boulevard and on Archway Drive off Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Ricky Thompson was on the field for that Texas uh 38-6 route, also on his way to Orlando later in the week as Baylor opens up a road play, first road game of the year against UCF. Ricky, thanks for your time with Craig and Paul and me. Do you feel like getting on the road might be good? I do. I Actually, Smokey, I enjoyed playing on the road. I just think it's a different atmosphere. It really adds, I think, a little fire in your stomach when you hear that crowd and, and – uh, particularly now after four in a row at home when you've had the streak that we've had and the the difficulties we faced, I think it's probably good to get away, uh, get out on the road, be in the hotel with your team, have the flight, uh, play in a different atmosphere. And sometimes I remember Texas Tech last year. Man, that was a, a road trip that at the time I don't think anybody expected and you just blow those guys out. So, yeah, I, I do. I think it's a perfect time to get on the road, to tell you the truth. Well, Ricky, kind of a similar situation. There's going to be a ton of pomp and circumstance, uh, you know, about this is their first Big 12 home game. The 2013 team is going to be back and being honored, much like Patrick Mahomes uh, to a certain level. You know, I mean, for it's kind of the same thing for UCF as, as Texas Tech. So those guys are going to be back getting honored at this game. So it is ripe for – a disappointment for UCF if they if they don't mind their P's and Q's? Well, it is. And I think, uh, I know in my case, and I bet you three guys too didn't expect what we saw in Lubbock. I mean, that was the perfect scenario for Tech. Night game, at home, blackout, honoring Patrick Mahomes, Baylor coming in for the first time to face Joey McGuire, 
if anything, you might have expected that to flow the other way at 45 to 17 versus the way it did. But sometimes when you get this much excitement or pressure included for a home team with, with this type game, it can be uh, the reverse of circumstance. So I think that's what we hope for in this case. Ricky, they had that opportunity at home this past weekend. There was a hot crowd and sold out and a lot of stakes in play. And uh, we know the end result was Texas basically blowing that game open after one quarter of play. Did you look at that as more of like, well, this went wrong and this what's wrong? Or did you look at that mostly as like, just Texas is just a better team, plain and simple? How did you kind of break down the loss last week? I think it was a little of both. Uh, number one, I think Texas is really good. Uh, probably the best we've seen them since their Vince Young era, that period of time. I think, too, that we played into their hands a little bit as far as not playing that well, making some mistakes, uh, getting inside the 26 or 7 times and kicking two field goals. I just think it was one of those perfect scenario nights where uh, it just ended up being really tough. But, uh Craig, I mean, I just think it was both. I, I, I do think Texas is really good. I don't think they were that much better than we are when we're playing the way we should. Ricky, we had Mac on yesterday, Mac Rhodes, and, of course, uh, a lot of people uneasy right now. Everybody's probably angry, mad, frustrated, bitter, whatever else. But he didn't give out the proverbial, you know, statement that he's got Dave Aranda's back, but he did say he has all the belief in the world in Dave Aranda as a head coach. What do you say, you're an alum, letter winner, and you're there watching the game, about the uneasiness of Dave Aranda's future? Well, I, I, I hate that for him. I know it puts a lot of pressure, and it particularly probably for his family as much as anything. He's got kids that go to school here, and just him personally and wife and all. I, I hate that for them, and I think – it's a little quick to be making those statements because uh, we've got to throw uh, a COVID year in this thing. And I know everybody uses that as an excuse, but in some foreign fashion it is, but ultimately we all know that this comes down to winning games and that's where success is measured. Uh, I don't think that there's pressure to the extent of a job this year for Dave Aranda. I don't. But we all know eventually uh, we've got to win again. I don't, you know, you don't have to go twelve and two every year, but you also can't go two and seven, six and seven, and whatever this year could be if we don't flip this thing around. Uh, those things stack up, and it gets frustrating. It's frustrating for the crowd. It gets frustrating for the players. I mean, I've been in those locker rooms during difficult years, and that is no fun. Believe me. Uh, even if you don't hear the outside noise. Uh, there starts to be some inside noise, and that's where you've really got an issue when that starts. And I think Dave's doing a good job of controlling that part of it and being isolated in that form, and I don't think he hears a lot of the outside stuff. But uh, ultimately, guys, uh, you got to win games, so we'll see where that goes. Ricky, do you think that they have the talent on the roster right now to compete in the Big 12? Uh, I do. I don't think they have the particular talent to win it right now. Just opinion. But yes, I think they've got the talent to compete. And uh, 
winning Saturday and then coming back against Tech and you're three and three, which I think both those games are winnable if we play. Uh, Blake coming back is going to be a big factor. We got a couple of defensive linemen coming back. Uh, we had some corners that were at. We actually played that game last week with three corners against probably the best receiving core and counting outside guys and tight ends that you'll see all year. Uh, and I think they showed that. They took advantage of it. So, uh, specific answer, yeah, we've got the talent to compete. Don't know that it's 21 talent to win it, but I think you can get back there if you continue to recruit. And I've said this before, uh, you watch those freshmen that did play in that football game Friday night. They were among some of the better players we had on the field. And those two corners, I think, have a tremendous future uh, in Big 12 football. Ricky, is it red flags galore if they're not able to run the football this weekend, just given that how much of a – I mean, Texas was Texas up front. That was part of the deal, of course. Also, it was Baylor's execution. But UCF is not known for being particularly stout. They've got some guys, but um, if they can't run the football this weekend, is is that setting off a bunch of alarms for you? Well, it's a concern, absolutely. I think K-State had 281, am I right? I think they had 281 yards rushing last week against UCF. Won that game forty four to thirty one. Uh, I know UCF has an outstanding receiver. I don't know if Plumlee's going to play or not. I kind of think maybe not. But uh, they're talented offensively. If they've got a weak spot, it is on defense. And uh, we know K State tries to run the football, but when you rush for nearly three hundred, I think that's an indication that we better be able to run the football. I really like the idea of moving neighbors to full time running back. I don't know what y'all thought about him Saturday. I thought as far as quickness, hitting the line of scrimmage and the ability to got, make guys miss and take it home, he looked really good. So I like that idea. I think Dominic should be healthy. Uh, Richard Grease, I don't know where he's been. Mm-hmm. I guess three carries last week. That's surprising. But, uh, yes, I think the running game is very, very important. And let's see, too. What the difference if Blake's back, which indications are he probably is. Let's see what kind of difference that makes in getting the ball to these guys outside and in the seams in the middle of the football field where Sawyer struggles some with lack of experience. Let's see what that does, too. And those two, to me, work together. Running game plus throwing the ball in the middle of the field. I think those feed off each other, so... Yes, I think running game is very important, and we better have one this weekend. Ricky, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Ricky Thompson, former Baylor receiver, wide receiver, NFL with the Redskins at the time, and then now sideline reporter has been for many years on the what moving forward. Craig, you brought that up, and Ricky just mentioned it about uh, asking Dave Aranda next time I do have a chance to visit with him is why – are the numbers of touches for Richard yeah. Reese so incredibly low? Yeah, I just asked you that straight up on the show yesterday because I was like, if I don't ask now, and uh, then I'll, I'll probably forget it before the next one, and then I'll have to wait another couple of weeks. But, yeah, what is going on there? Is he hurt? Just say he's hurt, you know? Just say, hey, his his ankle's bothering him or something, and, and then you don't get any more questions. Not that he's worried about the questions, but it just, you know, it would shed some light because otherwise, why is the Big 12, what was it, the freshman of the year, getting less than 10 carries per game. And 
last week you could kind of see it because, well, it didn't matter who you had. You could have had Adrian Peterson back there, and he yeah. was getting two point yard, two point one yards per carry at best against that Texas D line, given the blocking. But yeah, I mean, why is this guy who's he was the like the one guy in the preseason that like who's an All Big Twelve guy? It was it was Richard Reese. Who's the preseason all? It was Richard Reese. There was nobody else. It was just him. And so, um, yeah, that's just very puzzling, and, and I'm curious to hear that. And I'm curious to see this weekend how much he's used. But, yeah, an injury would make sense or just the inability to run the ball. You don't want to put more wear on his tires because what was he going to do, though, if he did break up, a you know, open a fourth quarter run against the Longhorns? Make it a 30-point game? Yeah. So maybe it's just situational, but I am uh, intrigued by – you know, what uh, Aranda does have to say about that. And, yeah, if they can't run the football this weekend, then that's going to be a major cause for concern. It's already cause for concern, but even more so because K-State was, you know, a different beast, of course. But DJ Giddens had just a monster day against the Knights. And uh, our buddy uh, Brandon Helwig, who we talked to, yep. we asked him yesterday, like, how much of a concern is that, that the run defense? And he said, it was, you know, it's one of their major concerns. So um, there will be a lot to see this weekend in Orlando. Retired stockbroker, $3.65, uh, said I. <laughs> nice. Many thanks for the entertainment. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Northeast Ohio, Boise State fan. Uh, aloha to you and the boys from Honolulu. Oh, Thank you very much. We appreciate you watching when you do. And Pax, did I hear Ricky Wright saying that that's the best team since Vince Young in 2005? I think based on what he saw Saturday, it appears as if I, they could be in that. He, he's just kind of no, no, no. making the comment about best since then. Not sure he's saying that as good as that team in 05. No, but I think people also forget the 09 team because they didn't win the title sometimes. Yeah, no, they were good. And that was a pretty dang good team that just lost to Alabama and Colt McCoy got hurt, and they very well could have you know won a national title. Obviously, they played for it. But, um, yeah, since 05, I mean, that's obviously monster praise. That was nearly 20 years ago, guys. Mm. Vince Young ran mm. to the end zone at yeah. the uh, Rose Bowl nearly 20 years ago, guys. God, yep. has it been that 18 long years ago? ago. Yeah. How what old do y'all feel? Old. I'm all, I remember I exactly I where that. I was. I, don't need that Except, I was. I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing at the time. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been a long time. So that's that's heavy to say that, given all of the roster turnover and, and changes and coaching changes and all the things that have taken place in that amount of time. But you know what? I agree with them. I think, you know, going into the season, I was heavy on them. A lot of people were, but I. If you remember, the one thing I kept saying was, I don't think this is that typical like preseason BS where you're just like, oh, it's Texas. Let's just default them to number one or number two. It's like, no, if you look at them, like, who's stopping this offense when they've got all the all the pieces, you know, operating right? And the defense looks pretty salty as well. And, and sure enough, they, they've been on full display. And they're not perfect by any means. But uh, they are clearly, you know, one of the better teams in the country right now. And Red River... I know they've got a game to play before that. KU could very well knock them off this weekend. But Red River, if both of them going undefeated here in a couple of weeks, that's going to be something else. Yeah. All right, couple of notes. Garrett, I sent you a picture. Yesterday, the great Brooks Robinson passed away. This is a, a picture from back in the early 90s when he was in town to do a fundraiser in Tyler. The great Brooks Robinson, I had that picture. I know I have an autographed baseball I could not find that because there, it just there's boxes of stuff like that. But wanted to show that picture. Had a chance. He was an absolute gentleman. Stopped by to do the show. And yes, back then I was younger, a lot younger, and I also I think had hair. I, can't, but, I couldn't tell. Uh, oh, really? Is yeah. it kind of? <laughs> oh, you look fine. You age uh, so gracefully. Yeah, is what he's I, saying. yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, 
I the picture I saw yesterday, and that's really awesome that you have that. That is, uh, was him with his seventeen or eighteen, whatever gold gloves. And it was, I guess the Orioles took a picture of him when he was retired with like the last one, and they just gotten down all the other ones and put it there, them there on the field. Um, yeah, you know, he was uh, one of the greatest defensive players of all time, maybe the greatest defensive third baseman of all time. There's only probably one or two other guys you can even put in the conversation Mike with him. Mike Schmidt. Uh, I do think Adrian Beltre. I think Beltre, and I think Buddy Bell was an incredibly good defensive player. Mm-hmm. He may not get the same. He was a pretty good offensive player, but Buddy Bell was smooth as silk. But I think Schmidt, Beltre, and Brooks probably, and we might be missing one as far as the greatest third baseman. There's others, including both the offense and defensive side. Dean Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> There's a name from the past. God, yeah, Beltre was actually at the Rangers game me. yesterday. Uh, was he really? Yeah, he was. He was out there. The King, Adrian Beltre. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was hanging around, and uh, cool to see him as they're in the midst of a playoff push. Um, so, think he brings some good juju, or hope mm-hmm. he does at least. Yeah, ho- hopefully he brings some healing to Corey Seager's forearm. By the way, though, uh, an aside, uh, Wyatt Langford, have you have y'all yeah. seen what he's been doing? Yeah, he was their number one pick yep. uh, in the draft, and he's already at the AAA in mm-hmm. two months' time. He's just flown through the minor leagues, and he's batting like three fifty plus with like tons of doubles. And um, yeah, he's he's already gone through low A ball, like a couple rounds of that single A, double A, and he's already at the AAA already. And he was drafted in what was that May? Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's flying through the system and is already one of the top prospects in baseball. But yeah, um, he's not going to help right now. He can't be on a playoff roster or anything. But he's going to crack that that franchise like pretty quickly. It looks like the trajectory that he's on. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's a stressful situation right now, Paul. Um, mm. And uh, just I don't know. I guess you'd rather be involved in stress than not be involved at all. You're talking about run. trying to get to the playoffs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and just dealing with injuries and things like that that could, uh, you know, sidetrack you. So, Seager so get hit by a pitch? Yeah, on the forearm. He stayed in the game for a little while, and then it, you I know, didn't watch. I couldn't watch. I yeah. looked up. It was 9-1. to And, one. dude, he's, he's so freaking good. Like, I mean, he's unbelievably good and an MVP candidate type of player and uh, – just very quiet, like super yep, quiet guy. Ball, like, I always yeah. hear Dallas media comment. They don't really know like anything about him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, you know, he's just kind of there. He shows up and like hits dingers and, and leaves. And that's mm-hmm. basically what he does. But yeah, I, I hope he's healthy because they, they desperately need him. All right. So there's that. Thank you very much for those in the chat room that continue to go at it uh, and in different ways. And, and there's, you know, I, I do see, and I, I do appreciate those, who have our back on things. Immaculate was asking questions. I don't know if he was getting over the edge, but I, I, I kind of see that where people get a little bit edgy, and I've been in there myself and done it too. And it just kind of – let's just everybody agree to disagree. Appreciate you guys and what you do for us. But when there are those who come in and uh, maybe they have a different opinion – uh, that's fine. It, it, it's it's something that just that's what the chat room's about. We appreciate everybody that jumps in there. When we come back, the five o'clock hour around the corner. Former Baylor linebacker Taylor Young went through some tough times when he was there. Um, someone that, of course, uh, Phil Bennett loved to death and recruited, and his thoughts about what he sees from what's going on at Baylor. And also around the corner, Sam Con the Athletic dot com and the A and M quarterback injury. But more to get to with college football. This is 365 Sports.
Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac. They are the people that you can count on uh, for a variety of different things that you might be trying to get done. You might be trying to buy a new car. They can help you out there. You might be trying to buy a pre-owned car. They can help you out there. You might just need some uh, work at the service department, like some tires. They can help you out there as well. Um, And if you're looking for great customer service, and there's no doubt about it, that's where uh, they will definitely be at their best. And right now there's a lot of construction going on outside of uh, Richard Carr, uh, but they are trying to make, because of that, the buying process for a new Buick GMC or Cadillac uh, easier uh, than you could ever imagine. Right now, qualified buyers can save over seven thousand dollars on new twenty twenty three GMC Sierra fifteen hundreds. You can finance for point nine percent, and they've got de- dozens of Sierras currently on the lot. So the inventory is there, the pricing's there, the financing's there to get you into a new GMC Sierra today. And if you're a military or first responder, you can also save an additional $500. But uh, they've also got the trades uh, all over the lot. They trade for the best. So they have a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks as well. Uh, The financing goal, once again, 100% credit approval. Richard Carr says yes when others say no. So check out their new new and pre-owned vehicles all over the lot today and as I mentioned at the very top, perhaps you're not in the market for a vehicle. You're just looking to get uh, the car or truck or SUV that you're in worked on. Well, their award-winning service department is standing by to keep you on the road. Uh, they can't be beat on tires. Right now, Richard Carr offering a price match guarantee on the lowest price comparable tires in town. So service your car or truck with the people you can count on over at Richard Carr that have been in business for 24 years in the Central Texas area and over that time has built a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs run by proud Central Texas. Texans, proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance BankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. 
sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance, and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI.com. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Taylor Young, former Baylor linebacker, and he is in high school or coaching high school football up in the Dallas and Fort Worth area. And he joins us now on 365 Sports with Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina. I'm David Smoke. Taylor, thanks for your time. As a former player, and you had been a part of a couple of teams that struggled because of the change, the tradition, or the transition of coaching, but Baylor right now is struggling. What do you see when you have a chance to watch them? Uh, you know, to be honest, I see uh, a lot of small mistakes that I believe can be fixed. But just, but honestly, effort is really effort. It's just overall, just like the small things about just running to the ball, finishing tackles, but just on our, our defensive side of the ball. And just actually like they're doing their assignment to the best of their ability. That's just all I see. Just, uh, I, I just believe it's the small things. How much do the small things improve when you play with confidence? Because, Taylor, it just seems to me that the last year or so, they're not playing very confident. No, duh. I mean, I see the same thing, but confidence is really everything. So I'm never playing football. You know what I mean? Like, like if you don't have confidence, then it's hard to play fast because you're always questioning things and you're questioning your assignments. You're questioning this if I should have this type of, uh, you know, like if I'm spilling or if I'm boxing or if I have this route or if I have that route. So just having your confidence, it's, it's everything in football. Man. Taylor, uh, do you see some some young guys that can be big-time players uh, given another year or two? And just uh, what's that process like of trying to, to get those young guys and extract the most that you can out of them? How do you, how do you try to go about, you know, getting them that confidence earlier um, and, and, and ramping them up like that? Honestly, man, just going back to step one, like, really, like, with young guys, I think it's a mentality deal, you know, just here, introducing them to what great study habits look like, introducing them what the extra work looks like, and just changing to their mentality of, hey, I'm here, I've made it to, I, to I haven't done anything yet, I haven't made a name for myself yet, I need to be grinding all the time to be better, 
Like, I mean, football is really all about stacking days. Like, just stacking days on top of on top of each other, of being better than you were the previous day. You know, and if, and if you can change your mentality that way, then I believe things will start slowly changing. What are your thoughts on uh, the ups and downs? You've had the you did you did, went through that when you were at Baylor. The ups and downs, no the changes, and can you kind of feel for the team? But this is year four for Dave Aranda, although the COVID year sure. kind of is one of those with an asterisk. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, you know, it's like for me right now, it's two things that are going to happen, especially when the things feel like they're all going bad. Like, us was like, first off, you got to figure out who's staring the ship. And I'm not talking about Coach Randall or anything like that, but just as far as in the locker room, what type of leaders do you have? Like, because there's two things that can happen in that locker room. That's either you're going to fight or it's like you're going to fold. And, you know, and like, honestly, Honestly, it depends on who's leading because it's easy to just give up whenever things aren't going you know, it's like your way. You know, like it all, it's all about who's leading that team and who's going out trying to get better day in and day out and having hard physical practices. You know what I mean? And everybody just being into getting better. Taylor Young, it's a culture former, thing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Taylor, you went through that year, the one and eleven year. You guys had that great game against Oklahoma. How did you? How did you feel? Feel the build, even though you weren't winning games. Did you feel the the things building and 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 gelling together after all you guys had been through? Uh, you know, like that whole year was tough. You know what I mean? With just all the changes and all the different, like you know, still having talent, but it, it being used in a different type of way. You know, because our, our rosters were different. You know, it was all about speed with Coach Browse and everything else. And Coach Rule, he wanted to be physical. But he didn't have the tools to do that at first. And so, uh, and so honestly, uh, honestly, shoot, it's just it's, it's those small things that uh, you just got to – I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's oh, all you're right. all good, man. Yeah. No. Can you ask the question for me again? Yeah. What was it like? I mean, just going back based on what you said, that year was really difficult. How did you then come through it, like, with oh. all the different things were going on? Well, oh, yeah, honestly, you just got to continue to fight. Continue to fight and making sure everybody's on board. And if they're not, like, addressing it. You know, just, just addressing it, you know, that's really the matter. Addressing the issues and, and being – being able to be able to build on something and have have a goal. Okay, goals might change in the season, but having a goal and say, "Hey, let's get better at this. Let's figure out what we're doing wrong, and let's get better at these small things." And eventually, you'll start building into something. Taylor, as the, the losing streak continued on, and that's what they're kind of in the midst of. I mean, they're looking at, at, at one and eleven right now themselves. Um, you mentioned leadership. You mentioned coaching the plan, but how do you look at this team, and, and how do you think that they, you know, stay the course even if the losses continue to pile up? I mean, it's one thing to kind of to see the long game, but man, every week it's another loss, it's another loss. Just how did you deal with that personally, and how did y'all deal with that as a team? Well, yeah, you know, like I said, it's all about the leadership. And, like, at that time, I was the leader of that team. And, like, and my mentality personally is, like, giving everything I got all the time, no matter what. And so you have to have that mentality pouring throughout the team. Okay, things are going our way. All right, our, our starting quarterback is hurt. But what does that have to do with you? 
You know what I mean? Like that has nothing to do. Like you, you can't control that. You can only control yourself and what you bring to the table. And so that's honestly something that I, that I, I still take take with me. And like I try to get pour that into anybody that I'm coaching or I'm teaching. It's like, well, what are you doing personally to be the best that you can be? Because all that other stuff that's happening around you, you have no control over. And so I just keep that in mind and just try to just tell people that, and hopefully they're they're doing that same thing. Devin Lemire, who uh, was one of the few that came up and like hammered somebody during the game, not that there weren't other tackles, but after the game, he expressed a lot of like what I thought was incredibly a very sincere frustration. And one of the things he brought up, Taylor, was the lack of players being accountable or within the locker room. So people can discuss the coaching staff. They can put players in position. They can deal with injuries, et cetera. But what happens when you don't have, or it appears as if there's a frustration on players, like basically being accountable themselves? Uh, you know, like, like that comes from leadership. Like that comes from like addressing it head on. Uh, addressing the situations head on, addressing your teammates head on and calling those guys out and understanding what's our way and do, 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 uh, do your personal um, habits align with our way or are you going against us? And like that's pretty much the main thing is like you got to figure out where's the ship being steered to. Now, now are you helping out this ship or are you constantly putting holes in it when anybody is looking nobody's looking? And so you got to figure that out. And so, honestly, like the best way to do it is just address it head on. And so, so sometimes that's uncomfortable in, in a locker room, but at the end of it all, it, like you can come out more healthy. Taylor, uh, we kind of brought up the Oklahoma game in passing. I heard mm-hmm. you chuckle a little bit. We've actually got a poster here at the studio of your hit <laughs> on Baker Mayfield. Yep. And, uh, yeah. um, I'm just curious, how often does that still get brought up or do you end up seeing that picture? And is that – would you say of like the – all? I mean, you made so many plays. You were part of so many yep. great teams. But is that like the at the top of the pile of, of like encapsulate Taylor Young's career and it would be a picture of that hit on Baker Mayfield? I mean, no doubt. Only in the, in the reason why it is because I'm not going to take like because he was a great player, right. you know, and like and, and that was something that I, I want to put out there. He was a great competitor and a hard nosed type of guy. So I want to put that out there. But no doubt about it, um, it's one of my most memorable memorable moments, especially with a tough season, especially if you're going through a tough season like we did. So just. I feel like it's just the epitome of who I am. Okay, well, we're 0-4, we're 0-3 or whatnot. And just continue to play with everything that I have. So, no no doubt about it. Taylor, that was – I mean, you can show that video as, like, the perfect, like, way to hit a quarterback and not get caught. I mean, like, you know, no penalty. It was the – like, just straight through perfect tackle. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like anything, which is the perfect hit. (laughs) <laughs> so you did like so when you hit it it just you just felt like you were going straight through straight through straight through a thin piece of paper mm. <laughs> uh that picture which is frozen in time you see no you see the cleats that are shredded on the field in the air you see yeah. like tape on every parts of your body it is a violent and yet clean hit did baker yeah. Mayfield say anything to you after that hit 
Uh, not after that hit. No, it was one. I, I want to say the drive before that I gave it to him. That was real bad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and it knocked the air out of him for a little bit. But I can tell you just the competitor who he is, man, he hopped right back up and mm-hmm. act like nothing happened. He kept going. Yep, that's, so honestly, right, that, that's, that's who he is. So, hey. Yeah, and it's it's proven out. He's still, you know, hanging around. Saw him on what, Monday Night Football just a couple of days back, and he's still he's still doing his thing and, and still being a fighter out there. Uh, so Taylor, yeah. they're not going to play Oklahoma this year. They just played Texas for the final time. As mm-hmm. a uh, guy who played in the Big Twelve, you know, what are your thoughts on on not you know seeing a Baylor team line up against an OU or a Texas and just kind of all the changes? What do you make of that as a as a former player? Uh, man, you know those games were important and just getting up. Getting ready to play those games like it meant a lot because you knew a lot of people were going to look or were going to check that game out. So you know those are really important as a player. Um, I feel like not having them in the conference, man, this is going to be a sad day. But just all the new type of talent, uh, uh, it's like that's coming through. I believe it'll be okay. So like you know, with just guys like Utah, you know, Houston and stuff like that. Like those are guys like they're not as big, but it's still big names and it's something that's different. What is it like to be a player and the coaching staff is taking heat? <laughs> Man, you know, it just depends on what type of player you are, you know. Like, and, you know, like it's names that aren't there anymore, but because because of you know, it's one thing he talked about was just control what you can control. You know what I mean? Like, but because they're taking heat, they're taking heat because we're not winning. You know, it's like they're taking heat because some people aren't doing their job, you know. So uh, just control what you can control and try your best not to think about it and just keep dive into your craft. That's one of the main – you got to dive into your craft when all this outside stuff is happening. You have no control over it. So it's tough. You know, no doubt it's tough because people are talking about you on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fans – you know, fans aren't, aren't being fans, you know, like they're – like they're honestly talking about how bad you look or, you know, what needs to change. And honestly, none of that matters to you personally as a player. You know what I mean? Like you just got to keep getting better. Or you or you can let it affect you and and now you, you're stressing about things that you really have no control over. You know, so it just depends. Taylor Young, former Baylor linebacker with us on 365 Sports. Had you ever been during that time when everything was just not working well in 16, um, did you ever have to kind of like calm another player down that might have been barking a little bit too much? Did you ever have those kind of moments without – and you don't have to mention the players, but yeah. because it, I, I, we all, three of us, remember. We weren't in the locker room, but we remember. That was tough times. No doubt. No doubt. Especially 2016 when – uh, I believe the head coach is Grove. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was just 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 with all the outside noise. It was uh, it was it was definitely hard. It was, it was definitely hard to hear, especially with people who were younger, who didn't have nothing to do with the stuff that was going on, which a lot of us didn't. But uh, yeah, you know, it was like, I'm like we had some personalities on the team like that needed to be checked, and, you know, and we had to figure out what was going on, and it was just. It was a lot for everybody, players and coaches, you know. 
And like, you know, so like the main thing didn't, like the main thing is supposed to be football. It, it became something else. So, I mean, you know, as coaches, it's up to us as coaches to keep football the main thing at all times, no, no, no matter what's happening outside. And so, you know, that was just something that I, I believe that, that we lacked. But we did try to check it at the end. I believe we came together at the end. Yeah. Kept on playing hard, you know, so. Won the bowl game uh, and uh, against Boise State. Can you can you reflect back and and there was so much turmoil because of the change and also the uh, the publicity the negativeness of what was going on with people everything I mean you as a Baylor football player no matter what kind of a great young man you were you were a, like you were a demon you were bad because you were on the team yeah. that had so much attention. Can you kind of reflect back after the Texas game? I know there was a lot of controversy before that game, and it was a very tough ending. Um, Did everything, in your opinion, did it just fall apart after that? Well, you know, I can say this, man, that uh, I I remember like it was yesterday. Man, that was something that was big happening. But it fell apart pre-Texas game, like the night before. So, So whenever that big article came out, was when I believe things mm-hmm. started falling apart. Um, you know, I don't know all the factuals about that, so I'm not going to speak on it, like, on, on radio. But, you know, but it was a lot of misinformation that, that was put put out there in that. But, like, whenever that came out, um, I believe uh, football was no longer the main thing. And, like, that's really what, what, what I could say to what really happened with the season after that. We have Phil Bennett on every Monday, and we know. We, you, you. That's that's a and you and you just explained it perfectly. By the way, yeah. you didn't say a lot, but you didn't need to. Like that just that made all the sense yeah. in the world. We got you there. You uh, uh, he obviously tried to keep that thing together too. Coach Grove no did everything he could. Um, give us something about Phil Bennett, who loved you to death, recruited you. Uh, you had to go through the recruitment. Always not large enough, tall enough, whatever. He no. loved you. He also knew no that win among others. Uh, we'll run something with him on Monday the next time he joins us. Give us your just overall view of what you think of Phil Bennett. Uh, well, you know, I also I, I worked with him, too, as yep. well, in North Texas. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so I want to say he's an amazing boss. He's an amazing boss. But, uh, man, he's hard-nosed, and he's a truth-teller. That's what I like to tell. That's what I like to say. He's a truth-teller, and he's going to say whatever he thinks he needs to tell you to get you to play at your highest level. And, you know, as a young guy, you know, just being criticized and stuff like that, like, it it can shut you down. But what he's trying to build you into, like, that criticism right there should honestly make you go harder. And so, like, whenever you finally shed that skin, like, that soft skin that you had and you become somewhat of a man, like, you will start taking that criticism and knowing that I need to go harder. And so, man, Coach Bennett, like, he, he molded a lot of young men throughout time, coaching probably 40-plus years, like, just molding guys in, in, into becoming who they are and becoming confident young men. And I can just appreciate, like, like that's a guy who, like, if I get married, I'm going to make sure he's at my wedding, mm. you know. He took a chance on me when nobody did. Nobody. Even though, you know, I didn't – I was All-American 5A player of the year in high school, you know. So he wasn't just taking just a chance. I'm just saying. Right. I was just short. <laughs> I, 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 there's truth serum. You what you just said is exactly what you're right. You you were an incredible right. player, 
uh, right, right. at DeSoto High School. Did all of those years at Baylor, how did that, through the thick and the thin, through the high, the uh, exhilarating, and also the worst of times, how did that mold you? Man, um, you know, I, I said this a lot just playing-wise because my dad always mentioned it was growing up. But adversity causes some to break and some to break records. And I feel like I'm still living life and I'm going through life like I'm ready to break records. And um, I, I've been through a lot of adversity. And, like, you know, those are just things that have happened. Uh, those are things that are going to happen in life. You just got to keep pushing through, especially if you think you're trying to be great. Like, like if you're trying to be great, you can't let those small hurdles you get in the way of, uh, like, your true greatness, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, just throughout all that, man, just keep hopping hurdles and keep going forward and putting the right foot down and putting your left foot down after that. Just keep moving. Taylor, I have to ask you this. This is, like, separate from a lot of stuff we've been talking about. But how much did uniforms matter to you players? Like, how excited did you get for, hey, we're wearing the all-black or we're wearing the chrome gold? Because there's a lot of debate. You know, fans wanted a blackout last week. They don't have black uniforms, this and that. But, like, did that matter to you or to other players? Or is that something that genuinely, like, got you guys jacked up and ready to play at an even higher level? Man, well, like, that all-black is something – that's something different. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you made business whenever you put that all-black on. But but just no doubt, I remember playing ball and, like, you know, having them gold chrome helmets, which we were probably one of the first things to have. <clears throat> just saying. But but for putting those gold helmets on, like, they definitely, they definitely did something to us, like having that uniform. But, like, you know, the all-gold and the all-green – and the all-white was cool with Coach Rule because Coach Rule was a hard-nosed, physical type. Like, everything about him was that. And I felt like that was okay. But uh, but this roster here seems to be a little bit more flashy, a little bit, you know, with a little bit more speed, guys, and not necessarily just pound, pound, pound. I, I wouldn't mind seeing something different. And I, I know the players would, too, and the recruits would as well. Taylor, uh, I know that there was a, a little Twitter back and forth with some former teammates about <laughs> making a comment about Matt Rule at Nebraska compared to what right. it was like for Kedrick, and I know you guys love each other, about no the time, about how he basically, it, it appeared as if he was trying to say that that he broke you guys. But yeah. you, you came back pretty quickly along with a couple of others. Did you talk to Verkedrick, and what what really – how you could explain what he was trying to say and in return your response. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, you know, no doubt, I can tell. He, it was some truth in that statement that he had there. So I'm not going to totally discredit it. But uh, but like, like what I am going to say is that a lot of that stuff did happen. A, little, a lot of guys did um, have concussions and whatnot. But a lot of that stuff happened to guys that didn't really want to play ball for Coach Rule as well, you know, but, uh, or it didn't really go with the value with what Coach Rule was trying to do. Um, and, you know, so some of those guys are, are my friends. Like, I can say that Vakedrick is my friend. And Vakedrick thrived in that atmosphere, and he loved Coach Rule. You know, like, that was one thing about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, you know, a lot of that stuff, like, you coming from a roster that was built off speed, built off running tempo offense, and then trying to switch it within a year of trying to be a pound pound type of offensive team or or really a good defensive 
whole run, like the, the defense of being the main priority, um, practices change. You start being a little bit more physical. You start having periods that's nine on seven for more than 10 minutes. You start changing the mentality of your linebackers instead of two gapping things where we're going to run through somebody's net. You know, that type of stuff. You know, like those guys talked about it, but they also equipped us with um, the different things that you can do to make sure that you don't go through those things. Like they want us to lift extra weights. They wanted us to do neck exercises. Like they put neck exercises into our, um, you know, our, our lifting program. You know, like they gave us the tools to get better. And as you can see, three years down the line, it worked. You know, there's like 12 of those guys. Of course, they end up just graduating with uh, Aranda, but it's like 12 of those guys, 10 to 12, that's still in the league or floating around somewhere. So, like, you know, you know, like the chef works, you know, like his stuff, his stuff works, um, you know, and, and the guys that didn't really like it, I hate to say it, and I don't want to sound like I'm I'm being a, a hard, a hard uh, ass or whatnot. I'm sorry, excuse me. That's okay. Hard or what, um, but they were soft. Uh, a, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff, they didn't really want to deal with the, the day in and the day out of being physical. I had to get over it because that wasn't something I was used to. So, you know, like when Browse was there, I never, we never took each other to the ground. So, you know, it's just stuff that you got to get used to in a doubt. Yeah, different coaching staff, different philosophies. Uh, one won a, a lot, and then one was able to turn around a disastrous year uh, through right. a tough time and won, too. Uh, no doubt. Taylor, you're with Richardson ISD. Are you coaching at uh, an intermediate school, or are you at a high school? Where are you right now? Uh, I'm at Richardson High. Uh, I'm the special teams coordinator here. Um, you know, we just got a new head coach here, uh, Coach Holloway, which he came from Richardson Berkman. He was the offensive coordinator there last year. Um, so we're honestly just building a program up that it has been down for a long time. And, like, when we're enjoying it, over three and two right now. The last year, like we went three and seven. So it's a big deal for us just to be out here trying to change the culture. Use the example and the experience you have of being a part of that turnaround when you were at Baylor. Uh, people in the chat saying that they have learned quite a bit. Very interesting. A lot of what we discussed and your truth serum from what you learned from Phil Bennett. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time, and uh, we uh, hope to see you soon. No doubt. Thank All right, you. No, thank you. Taylor Young. Good. Richardson High School, uh, now a special teams coach. And that was another thing that when Rule took over, the, the, some of their best players were on special teams. John mm -hmm. Lovett, among others, uh, that was just something that he demanded, kind of that NFL style of when you're a rookie, you got to make the team, not with your talent, but also with your ability to make plays on special teams. Yeah, he's an all-timer for that program. I mean, without a doubt, uh, you're putting together your all-time you know, Bears team. He's got to have a place on there somewhere. And uh, I'm glad that I thought of the, the – I was like, what could I ask him that he hadn't touched on? I'm glad I asked him about the uniforms. That was like a, that was like an interesting answer, I felt like, of, you know, with Rule yeah. took over, it's like, hey, we're going to be like a Big Ten team, basically. It doesn't matter that like, the uniforms are super gold or whatever. But, yeah, I think there's like a little bit of a different flavor here. But there was, there was a lot of good stuff to unpack from that with Taylor. It's been a long time since we talked to him. We got a big old poster in here of him sacking Baker Mayfield uh, from that game, and he discussed that at length, which was cool, and – 
uh, yeah, I just I, I have a lot of respect for that young guy, and he's not a young guy really anymore. But you know what I mean. He's, he's yep. much younger than me, and I just have a lot of respect for the way he carried himself and really led in so many ways during about as abysmal of a time as you could possibly have. And I'm just glad that by the end of it, he ne- didn't necessarily get to be a part of what would happen, like a Big 12 title after the fact or anything. He got that when he was in his younger part of his career. Yep. But if not for him, that other stuff doesn't happen afterwards. No. And he can always like know that, like, yeah, I, I absolutely had one of the – I was one of the pillars of what would what would be to come with Matt Rule and Dave Aranda eventually as well, without a doubt. He's, Red-shirted his – go ahead. He's also got such a coach voice now, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he <laughs> yeah. does. He's such got a yeah. coach voice, yeah. yeah. Was part of the Big 12 championship teams. 13, he redshirted. 14, he played. 15, of course, they were really, really good and just fell a little bit short – and then uh, part of that transitional year in 16, which was up and down, loved his truth about the inside of what after the game or before the game they played Texas, that yeah. Wall Street Journal report came out, and it was just about everything but football or, or, or more about not, not football. Uh, and then in 17, 1 and 11, they were terrible. But I remember when he made the decision to come back and how he helped, even with 1 and 11, the next year, the transition because of he helped kind of keep that thing together and try. And as you could tell, he loved that type of football too. Loved both Coach Coach Bryles, Coach Grobe, the interim, and then also with Matt Rule. And he's right. I mean, the way he said it, phrased it, it just became about more that it came about something different than football. And he's absolutely right. And that's how it felt at the time. It was hard to put your, you know, your, your finger on exactly what was like just it's just, it was just a lot, man. It was a lot. And, and like he said, that, that was the best way to describe it. It just became about something other than football, and it was no surprise to see them kind of start to skid after that. But, yeah, they, they you know, he played, obviously, a couple years after that and, and definitely left his mark in a positive way. That, that whole season, you could feel the team like they oh. were really good, like they were really talented, but you knew that they were standing on the edge of a cliff. Oh, yeah. And the, the – the minute that it like even got shaky, they were not going to be able to hold it up. That was a damn was, burst moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like they were Held there, and the only thing you could hope, like the only thing that you could hope, was that you could push that moment off until as late in the season as you could, and then. But that was, I mean, that was unrealistic. The fact that yeah. they got through six games and it hadn't happened. Honestly, is yeah, a they were miracle. six and zero oh, about Being to play six, Texas, yeah. and then the st- story came out Wall Street Journal. It was. Uh, it, it was uh, destructive, and uh, you heard Taylor tell it the way he told it. Uh, by the way, to um, Chris Bailey, Utah fan, came to Waco for the game, said he was impressed with the program, thought he would be, uh, I guess, hammered by Baylor fans while wearing red, but very nice. Great to have you, Chris. Very impressed with Kyle Whittingham, always, and especially 4-0 without their starting quarterback in Cam Rising. Yeah, they're an incredible addition to the Big 12. I know it's not what everybody necessarily wanted, whether Utah fans or BYU fans or, you know, others, like, just have their preferences of the way they like it. I'm I'm ecstatic. I think Utah fans traveled really well. Hopefully they had a good time. Um, and, you know, that will be – uh, a return trip, I think, for Baylor fans to go to uh, to your place next year, and then you know the however it ping pongs back and forth because it's not a playing every year thing anymore, right? But um, I think that everybody's going to enjoy the back and forth with Utah and not just Baylor, but uh, all the Big Twelve teams because um, they are it's an awesome program, and Kyle Whittingham does an excellent job. And as soon as they enter, they're going to be right there at the top of the conversation day one of uh, best programs and best head coach and all that jazz. And, yeah, fired up that uh, the Big 12 was able to, to pull off, you know, getting them in because I do think, 
you know, for all the talk about, well, it's not this or it's not that. I think that because you have a Utah now, uh, you know, we'll see with, with Colorado and Dion what that turns into and, and how long he's there and established. But for Utah, you know what you're getting day one, and that's going to be a huge bonus addition for the Big 12. That's the personality of that football team. I could play for Kyle Whittingham and love it. You have the one note from Gabe Eichard, uh, Sirius XM, the Big 12 radio yeah. network. Uh, we asked Coach Kleiman on Sirius XM College Big 12 Radio about his name being mentioned for the Michigan State opening. His response, I'll be sticking in Manhattan. I will not be a candidate for that job. Look, but he didn't say – somebody somewhere. He I, didn't say <laughs> – He has a fantastic AD oh, yeah. in Gene Taylor. He's got an administration that is backing the athletics really well. Jerome Tang just got a, a long extension. That's a good place to be uh, for Chris Kleiman. Michigan State – is going to have to navigate through. There there could be candidates that really want that job, but you're not leaving a good job for that one right now necessarily unless there's a lot of other things because Mel Tucker did what he did, but Michigan State had problems before Mel Tucker got there that they clearly have not solved. That they clearly have not solved. Yeah. So if they... Until they solve those, I don't think they're going to be able, even with their deep pockets and the money they're going to save from Mel Tucker potentially, should they they be able to maintain firing him for cause, which at this point, I don't see why they shouldn't. Right. But uh, that's not something that I think that you're going to be able to call and be like, hey, you want to come to Michigan State? And you'll be like, hey, I like it. Like Lance Leipold, like, I kind of like it here. There's not like, there's not chaos you know, so unless you really want to go in and be a fixer, I don't I don't know. I mean, that's going to be an attractive job because of the Big Ten money and just the safety and security of, you know, being in that conference and knowing what's coming your way financially. But, you know, it is a crowded room, and it is a different style, and it's a, you know, a different thing than what you're living in the Big 12 right now where you've got it pretty good. And, you know, unless you're just financially driven, I don't see why you'd pick up and go to Michigan State. I mm-hmm. think you can do as much damage at Kansas State as you can at Michigan State. Money mm-hmm. be damned. So, you know, unless that's just a goal, which for some people, hey, like I, I get you get – that, that money part of it, but he doesn't strike me as that type of guy, especially at this stage of his career in general. And so I'm not surprised at all to see that. I believe him. I think it's great for Kansas State that he's already come out and said that and was asked about that. By the way, did y'all see Tang banging the drum at the Chiefs game yes. the other day? Jerome Tang, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's so fun. Yeah, that was cool to see that. And we're huge fans of his, obviously. But, yeah, I also am a fan of Chris Clements, and I think he's done a tremendous job, obviously. They won a Big 12 title and you know, short amount of time, but that's that's great to see for the league, and, and hopefully that sticks that way for a long time. All right, uh, when we come back, Sam Kahn, TheAthletic.com, uh, his thoughts about the, the Wigman injury being longer than they thought. He's out for the year. Max Johnson now, who took over on Saturday, will now be the man down the stretch and hopefully be able to keep him healthy. Uh, that and other stories. Sam Kahn, next on 365 Sports. Everybody probably at some point has to battle the weight issue. You get a little lazy, you start to eat too much, and you're not working out. Your metabolism is not good. And so you look for a way, the easy way, to be able to continue to be undisciplined with your diet or what you do with exercise, and there are options. There is one way that works every time because it's methodically taking care of working out, losing weight along with inches, and that feeling of when you put a pair of pants on and all of a sudden they're a little more loose, that is, that's a great feeling. You just feel better. Walk through the front door at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness 
Ask for help. The personal trainers from Christy London to Randall Corley to Nathan Roach. And then on top of that, they have all the equipment you can imagine from weights to machines. Classes galore every single day. But you have to walk through the front door. They will help you once you do. The best way, the most methodical way, and the best way to not just lose inches and weight, but also sustain the success of all the hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men... An exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson, investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. 
Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go. Wrapping up this 5 o'clock hour in today's show. We're back at it again uh, tomorrow at 3. Paul's triple option also at 1. He'll be in Orlando, Florida for the weekend of UCF hosting Baylor. Joined by Sam Kahn, TheAthletic.com. And Sam, thank you for your time. And, uh, man, it's, it's kind of... Uh, well, A&M in their quarterback room, they have a young, talented young man in Wigman is playing well, and then all of a sudden he's out. Now he's out longer. How much of a blow is this for the Aggies? Yeah, it's a significant blow just because the ceiling on Connor Wigman and the ceiling for this A&M offense you feel like was really high as long as he's in the lineup. They haven't been perfect by any means this year. Certainly the, the Miami game was evidence of that, that they, they had some difficulties picking up pressures and keeping him protected. But he was really – he's really the, the centerpiece that makes this thing go. Uh, he, he's mobile. He's got tremendous arm talent. He's super confident. He's got a really good understanding of the offense and what they're trying to do to distribute the ball well. Uh, he's a young quarterback, so, you know, he's only in his ninth start. So he wasn't perfect. You know, there's times where he misses reads and – misses throws, and you saw some of that in the first half against Auburn. But this was a guy who was really, I feel like, on track to be a future star in this league. And now you get his career, his season disrupted. He's probably going to be out for the year uh, with this lower leg injury that he's got. The foot injury is what it is. And it, it just disrupts a season. Now, I don't think the bottom should fall out because I think Max Johnson is a capable guy. He, he started – 12 games at LSU in 2021. He's got 17 starts to his credit. He started three games at A&M last year. I think there there's plenty of reason for A&M to still think it can be competitive. I just think without Wegman and some of the special traits that he has, you lose a little bit of the feeling that you may have had with him in the line. Sam, is this kind of a weird spot for now Jimbo Fisher to be put in? He's already It's already tense because – they're paying them a lot of money, and they haven't gotten there yet. But here, the the SEC West is as open as it's been, and they have an opportunity. And now they got to put it on Max Johnson's shoulders to get him there. Yeah, that's that's what makes this fascinating because, like I said, on one hand, with Connor Wegman, if things were to go right with the SEC West looking the way it is. Could you envision a scenario where AM would win the SEC West? I don't think it's out of the question. I certainly, after the Miami loss, I wouldn't pick them to do it because there were still some flaws there, and the first half of Auburn didn't really inspire a lot of confidence. But you still could see, when you look at the sheer talent on the roster, defense and offense, you felt like, hey, I, it wouldn't be completely nonsensical for them to win the division uh, this year, as vulnerable as it is. I think LSU is still the favorite at this point. But I, I think you, anything could happen. With Johnson, I think the ceiling's just a little bit lower, and I think it's harder to ask them to win the division this year. But I still think this is a team that should win at least eight games, you know, if not nine. When I, when I saw the talent that they had and, and just seeing them up close and personal, I was at the Auburn game, and they overwhelmed Auburn offensively. Like the, the defense, I mean, their defensive front – really overwhelmed Auburn's offense. And, and Auburn's got its own issues. But I, I don't remember seeing A&M having a talent advantage over an SEC West team quite to that degree, or, or certainly one of the SEC West teams that recruits at a similar level, which Auburn is supposed to. I don't think they did in the Harson era. But it, it, to me, I look at that team in terms of talent, 
and thought to myself before we before Wegman got hurt, I, I turned to somebody who was sitting next to me in the press box and I said, "There's no reason this team shouldn't win nine or ten games when you look how much talent they got. They really shouldn't." But it's not just talent; it's coaching. It's it's all this other stuff that factors into it. And this injury, I think, to Wegman certainly affects that. And so, what does it do to Jimbo? I don't know. I think I think it's less about Connor Wegman. And it's more about how do you play? Are you are you being successful on offense? Are you moving the ball on offense? Are you winning games? Are you competitive in games? Or are you seeing a lot of the same mistakes that we saw last year? Are you seeing some of the offensive ineptitude that we saw last year? I think it's going to be less a win-loss record and more of a you'll know it when you see it based on what you see on the field kind of thing. Sam, uh, what are your thoughts on this Arkansas matchup? Uh, obviously, they've taken their their own lumps already. I mean, BYU went up to, to Fayetteville and, and got them a couple of weeks back, but this has been a crazy rivalry between these two teams. There's been some, some funky games, but uh, what are your expectations rolling around for this one? Yeah, it, I, I guess you would have to expect that it's going to still be really competitive just because that's the way this series has gone. I feel like I have very few of these games when it's been even when one of the teams has not been great usually when it's been arkansas even the years that arkansas struggled these games have been super competitive uh you know very few of them been decided by large margins and it just always has a way of, of ending weird last year you had the the fumble return i think where they they, they had this a&m had the strip and then they pitched it to the monty richardson who returned it and then you had the doink off the top of the goal post on arkansas's potential go-ahead field goal late in the game that, that, that missed. Uh, this is an Arkansas team, obviously, that, that is not in a great shape either after that BYU loss. And, again, I go back to the talent advantage, and I, I feel like if A&M, even without Wegman, still should be the favorite in this game. And this is a game that if you're A&M, you need to go in there and win this game. This is, and and I, I don't really see any reason why they shouldn't. Max Johnson started this game last year, and the offense looked – Forward to the first quarter, first uh, first two quarters in that game, but they still found a way to grind it out. I think this team is better than it was a year ago from a talent standpoint. I think they're going to be better defensively so far, and and I think offensively, what I've seen so far in the Petrino era suggests to me that they should at least be able to put some points on the board against Arkansas. What did you think about Devin Achan and his performance in the <laughs> NFL with Miami? Yeah, I certainly didn't expect him to have four touchdowns this early in his career, but it doesn't shock me to be successful. Uh, gosh, he had all the speed, all the ability that you wanted a running back to run between the tackles, to break tackles, uh, and make yards after contact. Uh, is an asset in the receiving game as well. That's something I wish I think A&M could have used him more as when he was there. Uh, but you love seeing the guys like that to see, you know, seeing him succeed, seeing B. John Robinson, the, the Texas uh, product, succeed at Atlanta. It, it, we, I feel like when we cover colleges, you almost feel like these are these are like your kids. You know, you, you, you kind of you cover them, you get to know them for a little while, and you root for them when they move on, and you're really proud of them when they go on to do great things. And I, I'm not shocked to see Devon A. Tan having success. All right, Sam, who – out of Houston, Texas Tech, and Baylor wins the Tums Award for most upsetting season so far. Ooh, man. I think it's got – as much as I want to say Houston, I think it has to be Baylor because there has not been a single performance that Baylor has put on the board yet that would inspire confidence if, if I'm a Baylor. Even, even the game against Long Island that – 
it was a little disjointed, you know, throughout throughout that game too. And I, you, you did they didn't pound them the way you would expect uh, a, a power five team to pound an FCS team. Uh, and then just the, the lack of the lack of juice that you see from that team losing, obviously the way they did Texas State, they were much more competitive against Utah, but you know some some killer mistakes that that ended that one. And you know I said it last week when I wrote about it last week before the Texas game that. <clears throat> If, they, if Baylor didn't start quick, that that thing could get ugly in a hurry against Texas, and it did. It, it was not pretty. Uh, you really don't know where to look for optimism, I think, at this point, if you're a Baylor fan, because the schedule doesn't get a ton easier. I mean, UCF obviously has got a lot of talent. Texas Tech, even though they're one in three, uh, you know, they've been competitive in all those games, and, and they they have a lot of speed and, and talent on that roster. Uh, certainly there's a chance you look at this swing Cincinnati, Iowa State, Houston, maybe there's a chance to pick up some momentum, but that ends that finishing stretch in November is going to be tough in those last three weeks. So I think Baylor's probably the team that I feel worst about if you're one of those groups. Uh, Houston certainly hasn't been great, but but you at least have two wins on the board, uh, the ugly win to start against UTSA, and then you, you dominate Sam Houston, which, they, which is something you should do. And then Texas Tech obviously is a huge disappointment just because there was so much hype and buildup, and Joey McGuire and that staff, they welcomed it. They talked about it. They talked the talk in this off, this offseason. But, boy, they haven't walked the walk in these first four games. And they, they have lost, obviously, three close games by making some mistakes that you really can't make if you're a good football team and if you're a championship contending football team. Sam, are you all in on the Longhorns? I am. I am, yeah. It's I still want to see some improvement offensively early in games. It's funny because in the first two years, this was a team that started quick and then faded down the stretch. Now it feels like a team that's starting slow and finishing strong. Can they put those two things together? If you can, then you've got a real juggernaut. But the the reason I'm optimistic is this. The defensive line and that run defense that they have, boy, that, that has been pretty consistent week in and week out. And that is something that I think the depth that they've built there, the talent they have uh, in the front seven, I think is really going to help carry them through this year And while the offense figures it out. Um, and, and they have so much talent on offense from Quinn Ewers to Xavier Worthy to A.D. Mitchell to J.T. Sanders to Jonathan Brooks and, and even more beyond that. To me, all the pieces are there. They're getting it together. I think this week against Kansas is going to be really important. I want to see how they play in that game. How do they approach that game? Are they able to start a little quicker? Certainly the robbery game against Oklahoma is huge. But other than that, I, I don't see any reason to, to back off my, my expectation that they won at least 10 and, and went to the conference championship game. I think there's even more reason to feel confident they can do that right now. Sam, we appreciate you as always. Great stuff. Thanks for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll take care. Sam Kahn, theathletic.com, with many things on the AM quarterback, the injury, the update that Connor Wigman is out now, not just for maybe four to six weeks or whatever. He's out for the year with that injury being worse than they thought after new reports and also a few more, I guess you could say, checkups on him. And then 
on a lot of things as far as the Big 12, the disappointment. It's a great question on who has been the most disappointing. Baylor and Tech play not this weekend, but next. And Lord knows what that will be like based on what happens this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's just strange. I mean, it's bad luck for a and One of them is bad luck, but, you know, you finally, and it's everything in the SEC West, but you plan and you plan and you plan. You hope you have everything in the, you know, loaded in the barrel for when Alabama shows one ounce of vulnerability. And then when you do, you're all, like, everybody else is going through the exact same thing in the whole SEC West. So the moment you think, like, okay, boom, it's kind of like what everybody else has done you know, now that Texas is, you know, back on the national scene. Oh, God, no, you just said Texas is back. <laughs> on the national scene. You're right. But has returned to the national scene. Uh, I, everybody had a chance to step on their neck in the Big 12 for years and years and years and never really did it. A&M had a chance. Never really did it. And now here they are going to the SEC, maybe even loaded for bear. It might be one of the better teams With rolling more into that momentum next year. Than they have, yeah. Legitimate momentum and yeah. real momentum and what appears to be like deep momentum than they had it any year in the last 10 or 12. Yeah, and it's it's almost impossible to keep a team like that down because of just the resources yep. that no matter how bad you are, you're never going to be a smaller school with less money. So you're still Texas at the end of the day. And so that always helps out uh, tremendously as opposed to others. But, yeah, I mean, they took their licks there for a while. Um, KU, you know, obviously the timing of that game this week, that's – that's one that, like, maybe that would trip you up, but I feel like they're going to be laser-focused on the Jayhawks because of all the jokes they've heard for the last, you know, several years now at this point. Um, but, yeah, Texas uh, appears to be the real deal, and, um, you know, they're – I think he hit on all the other subjects. The only thing I was going to also ask um, – but it was just about Texas State because I know he checked them out uh, last weekend, and they're off to a, obviously a really good start there at three and one with GJ Kenny, and it seems like a name we're going to be hearing a lot more of as far as just you know rising coaches and whenever the carousel pops up, especially for jobs around here, um, I think that he's uh, somebody who's ascending very fast. But um, you know, the better they do, at least it makes that week one for Baylor, I guess, look a little better. But still, uh, that's the one that set them really behind the, the eight ball this entire season right out of the gate. So yeah, always always like. Talking to Sam and just kind of going around the uh, around the wheel of Texas stuff, but uh, I did think him talking about Jimbo and and how they play will determine, you know, really how people feel at the end of the year, as opposed to oh well, Connor Wigman's hurt, that gives them an excuse. No, it doesn't. You got Max Johnson there, so how they play will be as important as anything else when it comes to the, the future of Jimbo Fisher in College Station. Appreciate his time, uh, Brett McMurphy. Sam Kahn, Ricky Thompson, and, and uh, Taylor Young. Uh, all of it in different ways, different perspective, a lot of different stories. And uh, Garrett Ross, Levi Emery, Jack McKenzie. By the way, the uh, weekly segment I have with Midway football coach Shane Anderson is now up on the reel under the Texas High School football channel. When we come back, Paul Catalina's top five. Petty Clinic, LowT.com. Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high-performance man that you want to be, need to be, and used to be. And what that means is as you get older, one out of three to four men have symptomatic issues of low testosterone. It happens. The body, it's part of father time. And if you're not one of those, if you're everything's fine, great, good for you. You won the lottery. 
But if you didn't, and your sex drive is not the same, you're not sleeping the same, your energy, your, your focus is not the same, it could be low testosterone. Dr. Kent Petty will set you up. His staff will set you up to get your blood work. They will take care of that. You give your blood. They look at the results. And if your testosterone levels are too low, he can put you in a program to increase your testosterone levels so you can become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, used to be at PettyClinicLowT.com. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI see an equal housing lender. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket ain't fooling around. Salsa drafts on there, the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Next in line. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five thoughts on the CFP meetings. Number five. When will this get easy? Like, at what point? I'm just, and this is me kind of complaining here. But when will it get easy to figure out the college football po- or easier to figure out the college football postseason? I know that, you know, basketball probably wasn't easy to figure out as it was, but they're, you know, at one point they were just four. And then they said, well, why don't we do more than that? And they just kind of added, and they doubled up as they went along until they got to a, a point that was sustainable. And now they keep trying to add. Uh, and the, the push in basketball is to not add more, or the push in football is to add more. And I don't understand why the people who are making both of those same decisions, athletic directors and presidents, 
are it's not like there's a basketball AD and president and a football AD and president seem to just not apply the same logic to either of them. And it just, I know it's complex, but I just, it's, it should be way easier than it is in my mind. Yeah. It gets very confusing with the six, six, five, seven and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But I mean, I'll go back to uh, something and I, I don't know if I said it exactly this way uh, a day or two ago, but you know, college football in particular and college basketball, you can see some of the writing on the wall, but college football is really trying to turn into the pros, right? Mm-hmm. So what have – I don't know about the NHL off the top of my head, and I just was thinking about this, so I haven't looked at it either. But every single postseason has expanded. Am I wrong? No. In the last few years, every single one of them has expanded, except for – I don't know about the NHL um, for sure. But baseball has opened it up further. Football's added teams. Basketball, they're trying to do everything under the sun. Midseason tournaments and freaking, you know, play-in games and all this jazz. And college football's like four. You know, or, you know, and, and to get four was like pulling teeth for decades, and <clears throat> and so yeah, I I don't know, like I got where you were kind of special and, and to yourself there for a long time, and people appreciated that, but like you're either in or you're out, you know what I mean? And so I think if you're trying to go that direction of the pro style and all that, like you know, I I don't know, I think expansion should be an easy thing, and I, I don't think it should be such a, a fight necessarily, but I know there's bigger powers in play than it being. Yeah. Those leagues are all under the same umbrella, and that's the difference. And yep. I get that that's the difference, but it's just funny that like, you know, less exclusive or you know less less entries, and everybody else is more, 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 more playoff teams, and it's it, just kind it, of funny. It, it was an act of Congress, by the way. Ross Dellinger, I want you to listen to what he said here. I'm glad you're bringing this up because I had this right in front of me because it, we didn't say this. This earlier. drives me crazy because to me this is a waste of money and time and a joyride for the weekend. College football commissioner meetings are over. Notre Dame's Jack Swarbrick, their AD, says college football format change was not discussed at the two-day meeting despite a couple of commissioners expecting it to happen. Then why were you meeting? Why were there articles about it, like, as far as them discussing it, too? I mean, I know that they have to do TV stuff and all that, but, like, come on. Like, come on. This, to me, is has turned into the way of, like, the NIL government hearings of yeah. just, like, it's like, there hey, pay go. attention to us, and something's, something might happen, pay attention, and then at the end of the day, it's like, oh, they didn't even meet over that. You know, it's like, what the? Yeah. You know what we should call is Gino Toretta. Yeah. <laughs> sure, somebody <laughs> will talk about that, yeah. That felt like somebody going, you know, I'm in Congress. I should get to meet somebody that's awesome. Let me let me get Heisman Trophy winner Gina Toretta. I always wanted to meet that guy. Let's get him up here uh, to talk about that. Number four, this is still just a two-year deal. So what makes me nervous is that all this is going on, and I think it'll stay at 12. I'm not worried about, it. like, you're not going to give the fans a 12-team playoff and be like, oh, that was a mistake. we got to go back to four. But this is still just a two-year deal. So I'm just, it makes me nervous that they're not going, like, they're going to lose the devil's in the details. They're going to lose some of that, and they're. This is just not going to be as smooth as it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like to just know what the freaking playoffs are going to look like. Yeah. You know, I think I'm like everybody. It's kind of like with the realignment. After a while, you're like, I don't even care at this point. Just tell me what I'm watching and tell me what I'm going to be <laughs> watching. That's kind of how I feel about that. But yeah, this is a lot of talk for something that's going to only be around for a very short amount of time before they talk about it some more and aim to you know change it to to whatever else after a couple years so yeah this is not like hey here's your your next 20 years of the playoff this is here's what we do for a couple years and then we're going to do this all over again so yeah Yeah. it's it's like i said it's almost like the nil government stuff where it's like 
just alert us when something substantial actually happens rather than there all you of go. your little conventions where you get together to, to have drinks. All you know? those board meetings among Pac-12 schools. Yeah. Oh, my God. Number three, the P4 probably wants the 5-7 model. Like, I don't, I don't like they're going to talk around it right now. But if I if you take Greg Sankey, Brett Yormark, um, the Big Ten guy whose name escapes Petiti. me, Petiti, and Jim Phillips and put him in a room and said, all right, cards on the table. Are we are we going to take away one of these AQs for the other ones? They're all going to go, of course we are. Of course yeah, we are. I would think so. Yeah, so knowing that, and let me go right into number two then. Number two, G5 teams need to be careful because if they don't make the right deal, they're going to get screwed in the long term on this. They have to, like... Don't like, especially with the pack two situation, all that going on, they don't need to sacrifice two years for something that could to could screw them over for a decade or more. Yeah, because it's taken long enough to get to this point and they need to get it right, but they don't have as much leverage and yet they still do because they have a vote. Mm-hmm. And so be smart with it. Yeah. Didn't Oresco come out yesterday or did he clarify later yeah, on? I think. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I think everyone thought the five and seven was what he meant for immediate, like in 2024 when it expands. And what he said, no, that he was discussing the 5-7 and seven for 2026. He's fighting for 6-6 six and six for the next couple of years, which is not a given. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I mean, it would be weird that he ever would back off for 6-6. Six six, why why back off was, in 2026? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, that's why it doesn't make sense to me. Just ride it out all the way to 6-6. Six and six. And, and I, I don't know. But they do need to be careful because there could be – you don't want to give um, – that's why I'm so fascinated. Like, I want to know all the details about the writer strike because it's one of the few times in like American history where, like, the the money has fa- fa- failed really hard mm-hmm. on, on that. And so, like, but if you give the power any kind of opening, they're going to get you. The oh, NFL, yeah. the NFL Players Association gets caught up on certain things, and then they'll realize once they've ratified the deal, they're like, "Oh crap, we forgot about this" because they drilled down on one issue. Yeah, no, I mean, this is the most power they're ever going to have is right now, mm-hmm. and they're only going to, like, have less and less moving forward, you would mm-hmm. think. Uh, so, yeah, I think that they have to be mindful, uh, those particular schools, of uh, take advantage of what you have right now because somebody's ready, willing, and able to rip that away from you in, in, in no time. And um, just be very careful about your decision-making because what could fit right now doesn't necessarily fit what you need to have five years from now. So I think that they have to really – play an interesting game of this is not just the short-term game. This is a long-term game very much as well. So, yeah, um, I would imagine they're smart enough to figure that out. But then again, we've given the benefit of the doubt to a lot of school officials before, only to find out they're not that much smarter, if at all, than everybody yeah, else talking yeah. about they it. So titles. You think yeah. it'd be obvious, but, yeah, I think this is this is a, a long-term uh, discussion for, for the G5 schools for sure. And number one. Nothing can happen until there's pack clarity. So until whatever happens with the pack happens, nothing's going to happen. So whatever they figure out with those remaining two and God, what's going to happen. God Almighty, we're waiting on the pack 12 or two or whatever it is to make a decision. And, and look, I the two that we want uh, or that we that are in control, they know they want to make it. They've already made the decision. Yeah. They're just waiting for the courts to tell them, here's what you can do. Yeah. All right, Paul. 
Yeah, it sets up very interesting these next couple of years for those two schools in particular, depending on, on which way this goes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm fascinated to see how that all wraps up and um, was looking around. I don't think there's anything notable in that regard still. It's just still there's, they're working through, I guess, the options that they have. But, yeah, the pack piece of this whole puzzle is a, a very – Interesting one at the moment. All right. Thank you, Paul, for the top five. Thanks to TexasBeefHouse.com. Terrell Bernard note, Garrett, former Baylor star. And, man, he was fantastic. And then you realize how good he and Petrie and and Woods and others when they leave. Uh, He was named as the defensive player of the week in the AFC, the NFL releasing the AFC and NFC players of the week in a game that Terrell Bernard had. Tackles, sacks, tackles for law, interceptions, all of that. Fumble recovery, and he was named. Good for him. Buffalo hammered Washington, forced a ton of turnovers. He had a lot to do with that. Good to see him doing so well. All right, tonight at 1030, it is 365 Sports Tonight on the CW. Emery working on that tomorrow at 1. Paul Catalina, Jack McKenzie in Orlando for the triple option they will also join us a little bit or at least paul will in our show tomorrow from three until six and then he has the show friday from orlando and the post game show and part of of a couple of cut-ins with us from the bounce house garrett ross jack mckenzie emery levi thank you owen paul catalina craig smoke our great sponsors those of you who watch and listen thank you spread the word if you can i'm david smoke good night on 365 sports We'll be right back.